0: The like.
1: Welcome to the Winus Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. We've got yet another lockdown special for you today. In the past few weeks, we've brought you the chairman, we brought you former youth team graduate Liam Polworth, we've brought your teammates Rooney and White, Carlo and Greg. But today, we're going to bring you a new dynamic. Two Cali Thistle legends who know each other like Liam Polworth knows the back of Yogi's hand. They've never played in the same team together, but they have lived in the same house. As usual, I'm Andrew Moffat, and joining me today, I have the best beard in the Cali Thistle podcasting business, Stephen Riley. hello. How's it
2: going?
1: Uh, and the best pronunciation to ever come out of Crown, Andrew Young, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, and more importantly, also, also with us today, we have the best player in Scotland, and his son, Charlie and Ryan Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the firm. Right. Cheers. Um, Charlie, what have you been up to over lockdown, up the roads? Um, what do- Unbelievably, I've turned into Alan Titchmarsh
3: here <laughs> uh, it's frightening. It's, I've just spent so much time in the garden, which I actually quite enjoy, sadly. But uh, it's quite, I've been popping into the stadium. I've been managing to keep the lottery going. i am working from home, keeping the club lottery going. So that's been good. That's sort of. I do a few hours each day just to keep that up to date. But obviously, same as ever, I'm missing the football.
1: Yeah, and Ryan, presumably you'll have been celebrating like you won the lottery, albeit in the house since being crowned league champions.
4: Yeah, it was good, obviously, kind of finding out and, um, you know, knowing that it was kind of finally over the line. Um, obviously, albeit a, a very kind of strange feeling, it was a bit strange not to get to celebrate it with, obviously, the fans and my teammates and stuff like that. But um, obviously, the, the season's done now and kind of look forward to next season now.
1: Have you done a Zoom, zoom call with uh, Big Julian and the rest of them?
4: <laughs> a couple of them, not, not Big Julian, I think he keeps himself to himself. But uh, there was a few of the boys on the night that it was announced. Um, just kind of celebrating and stuff like that so it was, it was good to kind of keep up with them.
1: Scott Brown jumping around the house naked and that was he?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no for once he was actually cold
1: What about you Charlie? Presumably you'll have been celebrating in your house as well I did actually Andrew believe it or not it's not often a Monday evening that I have a <laughs>
3: bottle of champagne but I did in fact I tell you guys that the wife actually had it threatened to open my man of the match champagne from 2000 I managed to just <laughs> stop her in time um, but no, we, we actually did, we had a bottle of champers and just, um, you know, it was it was delight for Ryan more than anything. Um, and uh, I think it was the right decision and, you know, great, That's it. at least it's done and dusted now. And all we need now is reconstruction and get that 14-team top league you decided and Bob uncle. Yeah. Have you still Three got your
1: champagne from 2009, have it? I have, believe it or not, sadly. You, you, what's, what's it been Even on the <laughs> <brand> <laughs> of, uh, What's it been saved for?
3: I don't know, actually. It's a good question. All my mates say that. It's been a few occasions where it's been very close. And I'm serious about Monday. Um, I probably should have opened it when young fella got his first Scotland cap, but I don't know what I'm keeping it for. My first grandchild. There you go. No pressure.
0: ()low <laughs> <laughs> <Well> down.
1: <laughs> uh, Ryan, so I think you won the league 13 points clear. Uh, in all honesty, how many points do you think you would have uh, won it by if the league had uh, been played out?
4: I don't know. Obviously, we were we were confident. Obviously, the run of form we were on since the kind of break in um, in January was was ridiculous. Since we came back, and then obviously we, we fancied ourselves. You know, the weekend that it all stopped to go to Ibrox and get a result as well. So, um, you know, who knows what it would have turned out of. But I think at the time we definitely knew we were in a, a commanding position, and um, you know our form, like I said, after the break, I think Rangers didn't really. Keep up with that, and um, you know I think now that you look back on it, it is probably definitely fair to to hand the, the title to us.
1: Yeah, and Charlie, the, the other big thing happening in Scottish football, the whole SPFL debacle, you just touched on it there. But looking at it from a, a Highland perspective, you've got Inverness, you've got Ross County on either side of the voting line, you've got Cove going up, uh, then you've got three teams ourselves, Elgin and Brora, all being denied playoff and promotion opportunities. It's a big deal, obviously, for all of Scottish football, but for the Highland teams in particular, what's your take on that?
3: Yeah, I totally agree with Andrew. And it's annoyed me a few times about this. Nobody mentions Brora. And, uh, you know, I know a few of the players, I know a few of the bottom staff, the owners, committee, they put a lot into it, Brora, to win the Highland League. And I know for a fact this year that they were very keen to go up and give it a go. And all credit to them, because, you know, it won't be easy for them. And you think the travelling, they would have to do. But they don't get mentioned enough. I mean... Cali Thistle, I've got a vested interest. Um, as, as I think that's the problem with these debates, Andrew, is that everybody's got a vested interest in their own club. And, and you see that, see their point. You know, I've, but the good thing I can say, and I can say it with my hand in my heart, to going back to when I was manager, is that I've always advocated for a bigger top league. Um, I would say 14 stroke 16. I know 14 is an easy number to work with fixture-wise. But, um, you know, I, I do think because, and the reason for that is I just know how difficult it is to run a full-time football club in the Scottish Championship. There's very little TV money gets filtered down. There's no away fans as such. You know, you miss out on the old firm and the Aberdeen fans coming up in their droves. Um, The the gate receipts for away fans is negligible. So that's why I've always been an advocate for a bigger top team. And, you know, it's still ongoing. We've still all got a bit of hope. But um, I think we'd all agree as well. I listened to Gordon Strachan's comments the other day. And um, I, I agreed with much of what Gordon said, but you know I also thought I disagreed with a, a lot he said. You know this this talk of players getting playing part time and getting paid a minimum wage. Well, that's where we came from. Yeah,
1: there was a, a lack of respect there from Strachan. I thought, you know? I,
3: so? I thought there was about Andrew. Yeah, and it's, uh, I thought he let himself down a little bit because you know that's a look what The two Highland clubs have achieved. You know, in 2015 with the, the two caps on the sideboard. So, and we came from that background. We came into the league, and our boys were on. I think it was £60 a week and we thought
1: exactly. we were over the
3: moon. It was double what we earned in the Highland League. and We were all delighted by it and, and, and we've kicked on. You know, It's been a fairy tale for 25 years. So, um, but I do agree with you. I think a restructuring is the way to go. But it's hard for you to say when you're involved with Cali Thistle because people think you only see it because of, of the club. But I think looking at the bigger picture, I think it would be good for Scottish football.
1: Right, okay, coming up, we take a look back at the early footballing years of both Christie's. We talk cup heroics, Highland derbies, Celtic Scotland, and much more.
0: You got no rubber bumpers. Spit,
1: well, well, well. Charlie Christie, 312 Cali Fissile appearances, 34 goals. Did you think he scored that many goals, Ryan?
3: 34? That's actually not too bad. <laughs> oh, I didn't see one of them.
0: Uh,
1: Ryan Christie's 76, Cali Thistle appearances, 10 goals. So I'm not a a mathematician. I don't know who's got the better return there.
3: That's not bad. It's about one in 10 for each of us, roughly. (laughs) Uh,
1: Right, well, history is full of great examples of family dynasties. You've got Kirk and Michael Douglas in the film world. In music, you've got John and Sean Lennon. In history, you've got Genghis and Odegai Khan. And in religion, you've got God and Jesus Christ. One uh, one thing all those sons uh, have in common is that none of them have ever lived up to their father's achievements. Except <laughs> one. Except one. Jesus fed five thousand, but Ryan, you got sixty thousand at Parkhead eating it of your hands, haven't you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. Uh, but yeah, I'll say it's nice to nice to uh play for Celtic and especially when you I mean so many people can kind of mention it to me, but in terms of especially the early years of my career, how similar it was to my dad's career in terms of kind of playing the Nice an and then going down to Celtic and stuff, it's weird to my out there. Yeah, well,
1: be, being the son of Charlie Christie, Charlie being well-known around the town, um, were you always going to be into football or, or did, did some of the family try and steer you, you know, down Coquibut golf course or in <laughs> shinty or something?
4: No, I think I was always into football to be fair. I mean, as long as I can remember, I was, uh, there was football on in the house or on the TV and I was always kind of kicking the ball about in the back garden, so um, you know, I've, I've no doubt that that was definitely, um, you know, my dad's doing and certainly not my mum's, that's for sure. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of good. I, I look back on it now and I'm very grateful for, for how lucky I was to have someone like my dad's when I was kind of coming up through through football, knowing the kind of pitfalls and everything of it. Whereas, um, you know, there's a lot of boys my age that maybe kind of felt the wayside when, you know, at some points they were probably definitely better than me at youth level. So, um, yeah, I, I look back at it now, certainly at the time and as a young boy, when he was my coach, there was there was times I definitely resented it, that's for sure, but um, looking back at it now, I'm very grateful.
1: Yeah, You mentioned you both you had quite a similar story and how you came through. Um, I think, Charlie, did your dad play for Thistle? Um, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. In the 50s, yeah. My father played at uh, half-back. Andrew, there you go. <laughs> he was a right half-back, whatever that was, but uh, Yeah, he played. He played, I think, for about a decade for Thistle and won a few trophies there. Um, And my brother, Ian, my my elder brother, um, he played as well. So, yeah, it was in the family. And I I was probably similar to Ryan in that from a very young age, as soon as you could walk, you got a ball thrown at you and if you couldn't control it, you got a clip round the leg. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Well, you've obviously both been central to Cali Thistle, both central midfielders, indeed, Um, both huge figures in, in Inverness and Scottish football. And you both, you both leave the town to join Celtic, you, Charlie, at 21 years of age in 87, and Ryan, you at the same age in 2015. But given that football's changed so much in the interim between your careers and those moves to Glasgow, is it surprising, Charlie, that history has repeated itself with Ryan?
3: Yeah, it probably is. I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's quite, as Ryan says, it's quite surprising, the parallels. But I, I do think, I do say this to people as well, is that, I came from non-league. We'd just won the league at Thistle with a fantastic team in 86, one of my favourite ever football teams to play in. Um, Whereas Ryan came from a team that had won the Scottish Cup. So the levels we were coming from were quite different. Ryan was a full-time professional. Um, He played through the academy system for the club. Um, So, you know, he had a far better grounding in the game to do well. Uh, And also he was that bit younger, I think. Um, And I'm I'm honest enough to say he had... uh, Better attitude and application, you know, I, I probably learnt. It was actually when Callie Thistle came into the league. I was a, um, I probably applied myself better at 29 than I did at 19. Um, but you, you learn as you get older, as we all know. So, um, But no, the, the parallels are there to, to see. But I do think that Callie Thistle being a professional team at the time and obviously the success we'd had in that period really was the foundation for Ryan to kick on.
1: Um, what about you, Ryan? You've, you've grown up watching... Um, and Ernest, watching your watching your dad, certainly you see the videos on YouTube and whatnot. And you've seen the the club go through the leagues and reach the Premier League. What was your perspective of the club being, being a kid a kid coming through and your dad being so central to that?
4: Yeah, it was obviously that was who I kind of supported go, um growing up, and um, you know being in, involved in the youth as well that helped. And then you know I I don't have too many memories. I barely remember. Obviously the. The famous night against Celtic, um, and then from then on, I kind of remember a, f- a few games at um, the Caledonian Stadium, and I remember them getting promoted, obviously from Division One, kind of being on the pitch with my dad after that. But um, I, to be honest, I wish I could remember more of it. It'd be quite, you know, it'd be quite cool if I could remember seeing more of my dad play. But um, you know, he's he's done well enough to show me enough videos on YouTube over the years to make sure I've seen them. <laughs>
5: Yeah, Charlie, uh, this goes back to something that you actually just mentioned. I'm the I'm the kind of the old man of the pod. So I was lucky enough to see you play for thistle most of the weeks in eighty-six to eighty-seven. And um, although I was kinda of heartbroken about it, when Celtic signed you it kind of seemed obvious to me at the time. I thought of course, well, why wouldn't Celtic want Charlie Christie? Um but yeah, looking back on it actually it seems kind of remarkable that a 21 year would moved directly from the Highland League to, to Celtic. Um so, yeah, I know the gap maybe wasn't quite as big, but I was also thinking you probably had not really played competitively against players like that. You probably didn't even see as much of them on TV. So how much of an idea did you have about what the step up was going to be like in terms of ability and fitness and all that? And, and what was the reality like compared to what you thought it might be like?
3: I think the big thing, Andrew, you're right. I mean, it was different. I mean, I just trained two nights a week. And as you know, probably know thistle didn't have very good training facilities. We trained in the park a lot. Although thought it was a good surface, but Thistle actually trained at Walker Park under the streetlights in the winter, and, and actually still won the leaguers and some of the football we played. But yeah, uh, the fitness thing was a big thing, and that's why I see Ryan came from a far, a far better grinding, and all credit to Kali Thistle for giving him that, and, and in particular John Hughes actually. But you um, know, I went down, in, but what I did notice actually Andrew, is that I wasn't overly taken with the standard at Celtic. You know, in the reserves and. Mm-hmm. Probably the first season I was flying, I went down there and was top scorer, 25 goals, and and I thought, God, there's a lot of boys at this level and they're getting a the chance with the biggest team in the country, and I'm thinking I'm not sure that they could cut it at the top end of the Highland League, and and it was <laughs> quite, you know, and, and that's maybe genuine. I mean, the Highland League was, I said this many a time, the Highland League in the 17s and 80s had an abundance of top class players. You know, I could I could tell you a team, I could make a Highland League select from the 17s and 80s that would win the current Scottish Championship. I'm convinced they could. There was so much quality about the look in those days, you know.
2: Ryan, you touched on earlier on about, obviously, Liam was in a pod a couple of weeks ago, and he'd said that obviously he came through the same sort of youth team together. Being Charlie's son, the coaches uh, was always stick in the middle of the park, and it was a given that you were going to be a similar player to that.
4: Yeah, um, yeah, probably. I think everybody—the first thing they wanted to do was obviously compare us as as players. But we're actually—I would probably say—we're a, a wee bit different in terms of. I mean, the first thing is I'm left-footed and my dad's right-footed. I had no idea how that happens. <laughs> um,
3: I've got my <laughs> suspicions. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then uh, you know, other—I would probably say, especially when I was younger, um, I. I, you know, didn't always like a challenge and sometimes shirk out of a challenge, which certainly didn't go down well with my old man, so uh, <laughs> I kind of changed that very quickly. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, playing with Liam in the middle of midfield and, and coming all the way through was, certainly helped us because me and him definitely kind of challenged each other and then, um, you know, obviously Liam did so well at Inverness and then eventually got us moved to, to Motherwell. And he's, you know, he's been one of their best players and, and I think that as well, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really good to to see boys that I played with so young through the youth come up and then do so well in the Premiership as well.
2: Who were the, who were the coaches that brought you through? And Obviously, with Charlie being on the sideline, were you, maybe, did you vocally disagree with any of the, the coach instructions that were given to Ryan when he was younger?
3: I took the team really out. I, I worked with other coach. I was the league coach at the time. And probably what's different then than, than we do now is that I stuck with that squad because um, we, in 25 years since we've had a youth system Stephen we've had two and I mean real exceptional squads the 94-95 group that Ryan and Liam were in who we signed six of them and, and as Ryan said uh, I would add Kyle White and Ryan Watson to, to Liam and Ryan as these boys are well above what we usually work with in this area they should also have been top notch professional players and I compare that to our current 2001 squad the Kami Hartburn and McGregor squad who again had six, if not more, players that, and I still say that, there's six of them that have got a, a real chance, and we might see that in the next couple of years, depending on what happens. So, mm-hmm. um, But no, I, I worked from the sidelines, so it was really me that called the shots. Um, I was very fortunate, as I say, in that we had real top-quality players, real the backbone of the team. White, Paulworth, Christie, mm-hmm. and
2: Watson were, were really good players. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I suppose it's probably at that point and then. When did you realise that Ryan's going to be a professional player? Was it around about that time you saw the signs he was going to go or was it later on in his development?
3: Um, it's funny, but other people saw it more than me. I was always very demanding, probably quite hard. And Ryan still tell you that, um, which can be a good thing that, and a bad thing at times. But Ryan's physicality, I think, was always he was quite small. He's, you know, I'm, he's, it's amazing now the, the size he is when I see him. When he, as a youth player, Ryan was very f- fragile and small, very good game awareness and game knowledge and, and good touch of the ball, but find the physical side of the game quite a challenge. And he played against boys that was a year older than him because Ryan was a 95 date at birth, whereas all the other lads I'm talking about were 94. So it was a real challenge physically for him, Steve, but um, I think it was when he's 16, he, we went away at a tournament in Portugal, a really top-class tournament, and it was Ronnie Duncan, actually. We sat with a glass of red wine. We'd, we were in the quarterfinals. We'd come through the group stage as well. And Ronnie turned to me at night, and, and Ronnie wasn't one for giving out praise. And he says, "Ryan's got a real chance, Charlie. He really has." And coming from Ronnie, I thought that was that was praise indeed. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: Ryan, at that point, did you think that was similar, or were you just enjoying your football and take it day by day, or did you have a sort of plan then to to push on?
4: To be honest, I was obviously. You dream of, You can you have dreams of kind of becoming a professional, but day to day, you just kind of get on with it. Obviously, that age you just play it because you love playing football, and so all, all you kind of think about, and um, you know, in school and stuff, all you're thinking about is you know getting on the training park later on and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think at that age, it's it's important just to make sure you're still kind of enjoying your football, not to overthink it too much. Uh, obviously, having that kind of vision helps you put in the kind of hard work to to try and get there, but. And, um, you know, like, I don't think football gets too serious until, you know, you're really kind of 17, 18, and then you need to try and work your way into a first team, maybe. Um, but, but up until then, it was just about enjoying it. And I actually remember that tournament as well, my dad's talking about it. And, um, you know, times like that, when I think back to the youth and going away and playing in these tournaments in Portugal and that, just with my mates from, you know, from the team, it was, you know, it was unbelievable. It was, even being so young, it's still the best days of, of, of my kind of career.
5: Yeah, Charlie, going back to your own days with Celtic, um, I remember I think, I think it was Pat Bonner talking about how unlucky you were to break through at the first team, because Andy Walker and Frank McAvenny had been playing really well. But another big difference, obviously, was I think it was what, two substitutes in those days, much smaller squads. So do you ever think if I was in Ryan's situation with kind of squad rotation kind of, and um, five subs, I could really state my claim? You know, I could have broken through maybe second season, even the end of the first season.
3: Yeah, I, fair play. And I, I've seen Patty's comments. He's a gentleman, Patty Bonner, and he's been very complimentary with Ryan as well. Um, and even McNeil, God bless is so, big, Billy actually was very nice when I came back up the road. And yeah, I do think that uh, you're right. I do think the, the seven subs now, I like to think it, it gives you a chance to incorporate more, or it should to incorporate more of, of players in the fringes of the squad. You've got seven guys on the bench that can learn and also makes you feel part of it. It's a mental thing as well. And, and you're right, though, because it's funny, I met Macca after the League Cup final when Ryan scored the win against Aberdeen. Maka was a guest and we ended up having a beer after the game. It's great, I haven't seen him for years. It's great to see him. As usual, he was wanting to go to the discos in Glasgow that <laughs> night. But I had the wife with me. But, uh, but uh, no, it was great and he was very complimentary. But he, he actually spoke back. He remembered back and he said, because obviously I played some pre-season games with, with the first team and uh, he went back and he says, well, me and Andy never got injured. He says it was... You know, the two of them, if you look back, I think they played some, like, 25, 26 consecutive games as a front two, which, as you see, nowadays would be
5: unheard of, you know? And that made it hard to to break in. And so, when you returned to Inverness, you know, after, you know, and you started playing for Cali, I don't think I've ever heard you can answer this question. Had you just committed in your mind that, right, that's it, my career's now in Highlands? Or were there opportunities to move back to kind of senior or, you know, league football? And would it have taken? What would it have taken basically to move away from Inverness again? What's your club?
3: It's funny. It's something I that it's a great question. I'm surprised nobody's really asked me. People have made up their own opinion, and I've had the homesick nonsense and all this crap. But but actually, at the time, Brian Scott, the physio at Celtic at the time, I got on great with Scotty, and he would arranged for me to go to Toronto, and I, right. I had a con- contract in Toronto. And also, when I look back, I think you blew an idiot. I had the chance to go to West Brom. Um, they were very keen as well. Um, and also, I met Gordon Wallace at Dundee. I actually went and the week I finished at Celtic, I drove up the road and met Gordon Wallace and Dundee. He was keen to sign me, Gordon was the manager. Um, but one of the reasons I came back up, and I think the first time I've ever said this, is that I had a job in the civil service where I left in the training agency and I loved my job. And my mm-hmm. hope was to come back up. I had a good life actually playing part time, good job in the civil service that I really enjoyed. And I, my thinking was, I'd come back up, get my job back, and, and then start playing part-time again. Unfortunately, uh-huh. at that time, the Civil Service were making cutbacks that never materialised, so that was a bit frustrating. But when I look back now, I, you know, I should have bitten hand off to stay professional and either gone to West Brom or Dundee, you know, when you look back, as I say. But I was a wee bit disillusioned that things hadn't worked out in Celtic. And I, um, I think probably getting a wee bit back in the comfort zone up here was a factor too.
5: Sure. I suppose long term your loss in that respect was our gain, you know, because we got you for, for Cali Thistle in the long term. But yeah. yeah,
3: well, that's my only my only thing, and I said this so many times, is I just wish that I was 28 when we got in the leagues in 94. Yeah. Um, I wish I was 21. I would love for it to have been, because then I'm confident I would have played in every league like Big Tokes has done, you know, and I and would have been, I mean, I was proud to play in the first 10, 10 years, but to have gone through every league and, you know, I'm sure I would have, I'm confident I would have done that. That would have been, I would have been really. It was just some achievement, you know? Nah, no, absolutely. Well, we're
1: glad you're, we're glad you're a Cali joggy rather than a Boggy, Charlie.
3: Goodbye,
0: Andrew. <laughs>
1: right, nineteen ninety-four. So it's nineteen ninety-four. A team called Cali Thistle has appeared in the Scottish League like a beacon of light for football in the Highlands. Um because that's what it was. Everything was rosy, people were going to tell, uh, the football ground, the Cali Thistle football ground. Uh and the acrimony and the M word, that's been done to death. So we're not gonna we're not gonna cover that. There's plenty of interviews and things that, that people can people can look at. What we're gonna do is give a bit of positivity and lockdown. But what we did wanna ask Charlie is um the atmosphere in the dressing room in those first few days. I think it was largely Cali players, but there was a few thistle, but presumably quite a lot of you had played for both teams and you all knew each other quite well. So when you first kicked off, were you all thinking, right, you know, we're Cali thistle now and will you know, what was was what was the atmosphere like in that dressing room? And and it's great. I'm um delighted, Andrew, you've
3: touched on the positivity, because we, we talked too much about, you know, the meetings, blah, 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 nice. but it was great. It was absolutely, it was a fresh challenge, and we were determined because, you know, I, I'd have liked to have seen that. I mean, I'm a Thistle man. I was at Cali at the times, you know, but I was, I'm a Thistle man. But I'd have liked to have seen a more balanced squad, but Cali were a far superior time. Thistle were going to, I think they were 11th or 12th in the Highland League at the time, so they were going through a sticky patch, and I take no pleasure in saying that. So it was always going to be weighted towards the Cali squad. Um, Sergey Baltacha obviously was our first manager, a gent, and um, probably ahead of his time. But there was real positivity, and it's was a, you're, you're bang on with that word. And it was just a fresh trip. We were going to places like Clifton Hill, and and you know thrilled to the rooftops with it. Just couldn't wait, and and it was just something new. And, and the, okay, the travelling was was a challenge, but we we just you know we took that on board. And people don't not I don't think people realise. And and there was difficult times too, because as you say, there was a bit. Of, continuing goings on behind the scenes, shall we say. It didn't help us in the first, it didn't help Shurgie, to be honest. Um, but don't underestimate the togetherness and the good times we had as a squad. It was absolutely fabulous. You're going to these grounds and the Montrose's of this world, and, you know, now we can look down on, but that wasn't the case then. Mm. It, was a, it was a real challenge and, you know, we, and we held our own. And then I think when the real turning point was obviously when the 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 Legend himself, Mr. Patterson, came in. And, you know, that year, I mean, we were thumping teams left, right and centre. And it was the whole thing. I I still say it was in the 25 years, that period is one of the best eras in our, our young history.
5: Yeah, that actually, you've kind of touched on the question I was just about to ask, which was, you know, when Steve Patterson came in at the start of season two, and the goal difference in the first season, which was minus 13, turned into a goal difference of plus 26. I think your own personal goal, tally. I think you're playing up front both seasons, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your own personal goal, tally goes from six to, I think, 16 in all competitions. So, I mean, just how important was Pelly's kind of philosophy for the development of the club? And also, did he influence the way that you wanted to play when you became manager? Yeah, I mean, I
3: took influence. We'll probably touch on that later on. But yeah, I did. I tried to learn from everybody um, um, Steve is fantastic Andrew. I just listen I can't talk and we know listen I'm the first one he's the first one to admit he let himself down on the occasion off the park Listen, that, he's a flawed genius as I keep saying that as we know the best and these people and you know in this area that Steve Patterson was like that but what he did for our club he came in he was backed he got good backing by the board and the chairman Dagi McGilvery, and it was you know we're moving into the new stadium it was it was just you know some of the Best times of my life and some of the best times of North Football's history. Um, and the way we played, because Sergey came from the Russian Ukrainian background, where quite often a 4 5 1, and it wasn't really the highland league way. Cali were very much a 4 3 3, 4 4 2 team, as were Thistle, playing the front foot. So Sergey's tactical sort of taking games was difficult for the fans to stomach. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, yeah, as I say, he was probably ahead of his time, because now he would probably say when we were a small team, in a big, big league, Sergi could could have done a great job for us, um, but then Stevie came in and was just just unbelievable. I remember my you know good friend Graham Bennett, ex-director of football. The week he joined, Graham Bennett says, "Charlie, you ain't seen nothing yet." And, and by Christ, lads, he was right.
1: <laughs> uh, Ryan, so again, history repeating slightly with you. Obviously, Pele's come in and he's um, he's really taking the club forward. And with yourself, it was you had to wait until Terry Butcher's left. And John Hughes's coming to take the club forward and take to take your career forward. Um was he even was, was was the fact that Terry didn't actually give you a game was that more embarrassing than his entire tenure at Hibs?
0: <laughs> 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 Brilliant Andrew. <laughs> uh,
4: I think I, especially under under Terry, I mean, start with I was still kind of very young and um I think to be fair to him the the way of football he had, and with the the team he had as well, was was being successful in Burness. So, um, you know, probably the last thing he what to do was kind of look to the the youth because you know he, he had no need to. Um, um, I think to be fair, there was. I, I remember a game I played for. I don't know if it was the kind of reserves or, or what it was. And we played Clark at um, the Astro Melbourne, um, and I was kind of playing number ten. And I thought I played really well. Scored two goals. I remember my second goal? I nutmeg somebody and, and, and put it in and then he subbed me and pulled me aside and said I had to run into the channels more and I, I kind of thought from there I, I don't think his way of playing kind of suits mine but at the same time I was still very young so when your manager says that to you just kind of take it in and think right yeah he's right I need to do this better but uh, obviously then John Hughes kind of came in and uh, when obviously when he came in it all kind of changed and um, it kind of changed in the space of about a month as well which was which was ridiculous.
1: So did Yogi get you involved right away? Did he see you in training and go, right, why is this guy not being involved?
4: Yeah, he, uh, I, well, he, he came in and he saw me train a couple of times. And then I think we, we played um, Aberdeen again for the under-20s or something, maybe a couple of weeks after he was in. And I think I did quite well, scored a couple of goals again. So um, straight from that, he kind of pulled me aside. and I mean, Yogi was ama- amazing. He was brilliant. I could tell so many stories about him. But he just used go to... Go on, on of,
1: then, give us, give us one we haven't heard.
4: <laughs> I'm trying to think which was allowed um,
1: you're allowed anything on this this is, not, this is not the BBC this is the opposite of the BBC
4: <laughs> no, I mean, he was, he'd pull me into his office and um, just kind of ask, ask strange questions he, he would pull me in and say well, why are you not playing for our first team and I would think well, you're the manager like, I wouldn't say it. I would just kind of sat there stiff um, and he would say and I would say oh, I don't, don't know and um, I remember him pulling me in and saying, um, you know that boy Ryan Gould for Dundee United? And I went, yeah, yeah. And he went, uh, he's, he's good, isn't he? I went, yeah, he's amazing. He went, what do you think the difference between you and him is? And I went, I don't know. I think we're quite similar players. And he said, oh, the difference is he's playing in your knots. So we're going to need to change that. And then maybe the next week I was training with the first team. And as soon as I was training with the first team, he, he never put me back, back once. I remember after that, I played one, one under-20s game against Falkirk um, and even after that he kind of pulled me aside and said oh I think you need to stop playing in these games and start playing for the first team more so <laughs> he was so kind of open with me and at the time when I was a young boy you know you don't really know how to take that because you're so nervous any conversation you have with a manager that um, you know it was hard to kind of have a laugh with him and stuff like that but obviously when I look back now it was absolutely amazing.
1: And I think you made your debut against Celtic is that right? Yeah
4: yeah. yeah. Um, it's a bench yeah, Mr. Sitter at the back post and the last Oh game. that heather, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then after the game went live on BT sport and maybe did one of the worst interviews I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even even that, um, you know, was amazing. And again, it's funny how Celtic kind of ties into my career personally in terms of making my debut against them and stuff like that.
2: Right, did did he said I mean, you beforehand maybe give yeah. you a I know, a little hint saying you're going to come on today or even you, Charlie, they give you a nod maybe during the week to say, this is going to be it. Ryan's is going to come on or?
3: No, no, Steve, no, he didn't actually. I, I mean, I spoke to him all the time. I, I'm like Ryan, I just told that guy in such high, high esteem. He, I, you know, you've heard me say it, Steve. He hasn't had the credit for what he did at our club. He yeah. hasn't. And I think it's only mm-hmm. now we're realising now, I mean, to think some of our fans wanted him out, it, it's astonishing, Steve. I, I find it unbelievable. and, and mm-hmm. we say we were, we were not playing direct enough. And, you know, he played, he turned our club around and played in Europe. Cali Thistle played in Europe, guys. You know, it's, it's frightening. And we, won the, we went toe to at Hamden in the semi. I mean, the, the, the final wasn't a great game, but we won it. And that's all that finals matter. But to line up against a Celtic team that are going for a treble at Hamden and beat them, and, and probably deservedly beat them. Okay, we got the lack with, with Josh's handball, etc. But we deserved to win the match. Yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. And he got the boys, boys playing stuff that I'd never seen the likes of. I didn't think that a team that, you know, that Carly Thistle were capable of that. But, um, no, I did the TV that day, actually. I think I did it with Chris Sutton. And it was great to see Ryan come on. And, but, um, but, no, he never gave me any inkling at all. But yeah. I, know how, I know how fondly Ryan thinks of him. And I text him on Monday night, actually, guys, with League Decision. I text we just to say, don't underestimate the part you played in this. Mm-hmm
1: would that be would you think would you ever see Yogi back up the road do you think that would ever happen
3: and I'm in a minute under are <laughs> yeah, kidding me on I just uh,
2: honestly he would cycle I, back he'd be good I think
3: but... I would <laughs> And yeah, you're right Steve because he loved the club people mm-hmm. forget that I mean and, and I can't believe he's not in a job he's yeah, you know, I, I saw him that, I used to go through as I got to know him I'd go through there at six o'clock in the evening and I remember the day before I I've loved this story I went through, and the, me and the wife were going down to Glasgow for the semi-final against Celtic, met a weekend of it, you know, as I'm sure all you guys did and the thousands <laughs> we took to the game. And I uh, went in and a bit nosiness, like I'm just desperate for Ryan to start the game. But I'm very nervous as we all were, you know, and I thought, right. So I went in just to wish him all the best, mid-afternoon. And he, he says, Charlie, sit down. And I went, right, he says, I'm going to play him wide right tomorrow. I went, what? Oh. He says, I'm going to play a 4-4-2. Four, four, Remembering, guys, we hadn't played a 4-4-2, four, four, I don't think, all season. right. Sure. He, he says, I'm going to play Ryan wide right. I goes, and I'm thinking, what? And he's going, yeah. He says, he's a he's left-footed. He says, Ryan will come in the park on his right side. Emilio, not like that. I went, brilliant. And if you look at the game, how many times Ryan got the ball and cut in the park, and it was effective. I thought Ryan, along with Shinny and Watkins, were immense that day and also playing Billy and Marley up front, I've never, you know, you look at Van Dyke, how that, he, he you know, this is a what, seventy million pound player now, he's probably had the hardest game against Watkins that day that he's had in his career. I thought, I left the office that day at 3.30 guys thinking, this guy's either a nutcase or a genius. <laughs> you know, and he proved, you know, I watched the game the following day, I've got it on TV, I've actually watched it a few times, and I think, look at that, he talked me through this in the office, I have three on the Friday.
1: Brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know? That's crazy. Well, we'll go from that um, big Celtic game to another big Celtic game, AY. You've got a question about that, I think.
5: Yeah, I mean, you've been asked so many times about that, that 3-1 game back in 2000, um, but I don't know how many people can remember how much, especially in the second half, you sort of controlled the play and dictated it. Um, were you surprised yourself? how much space you got, you know, in that second half. I was actually looking at the team there, the Celtic team, and realising he played in Keeley, Moravchik, Berkovich, and Blinker. And I'm wondering if John Barnes basically underestimated us and just kind of tried to play kind of 4-1, 3-2 or something. But you'll, you'll know better than me, but I just remember you seeming to just be able to spread the ball around, control it, have loads of time on it. So, what, you know, how did that happen?
3: I, no, you're right, Andrew. Even when I look back at the game myself, and it's funny because we did one of the Hall of Fame dinners a few years back. We played the 20-minute highlights of the game and you see the amount of time I get it in the centre circle and yeah. you get a set of players about 15 metres away from me. It's incre- Because the one thing, I think they had a couple of injuries. I think Lambert was out injured that time and they missed him. I can't remember who else from the but as we know, Berkowicz and Marabchik are top-notch international players, Marabczyk especially, but they're not great at work. You know, Their work rate's not their 40 so you're right I remember thinking midway through the centre I thought amount of time you're getting in the ball and I was taking it off Bobby from the back because we weren't just lumping it as you know we were trying to play through the lines and it was great it was incredible but a lot of the reasons as I say as you said the three guys you've named Blinker Morabchuk and Berkovic great players but they're not the hardest working players so that allows you to get on it and lift your chin and you know it was good it was great and I think as I've said before we saw the game out reasonably comfortably actually in the end you know definitely
1: so that that's the game that most people talk about uh, from, from uh, your time playing with the club, Charlie. But with the other, we've got a list here of some of the big games that you've that you played in. But so I can go through it. But is there anything that really stands out in your mind as you know big matches that you know you really enjoyed or you made a particular impact on yourself?
3: Uh, I love, yeah. Uh, I mean, every derby game, under I did. I just love playing Ross County because we used to win you know every time, <laughs> but I did. I, I just love it. I remember we went through there on a Wednesday night and beat them three nil and it was three nil going on thirteen nil. We Stewart, he was magnificent, Barry was flying, you know, we were I remember that was I think about five and a half thousand people there in the third division. Um, I remember that I remember Livingston at Cali Park in the first season. We we beat them three two and they had another tremendous crowd, a great game, great advert for North Football. Um, the Livingston away game, four three in the bright sunshine where we needed to go down and beat them. We got promoted that year but we were really going toe and toe with them for the league. Was We took, I think we took 2,500 two fans to live here that day. Yeah, it Great, that fantastic backing from the fans that day. I remember, I think it's the noisiest away fans I'd played in front of. They were fantastic. And then, um, another favourite game you guys will remember where I was, probably my favourite game at the stadium was going in at half-time and we knew we'd done something wrong when Steve Patterson shouts at half-time we were 3-0 down to Air United um, and Stevie lost the plot and we thought, this is not Steve Patterson at all, it's not his way and we went out and won 4-3. I just remember the feeling of, you know, just ecstasy, exuberance in the change room after the game. I've never done it in my career before, Been 3-0 down and, and come back and win a match and it's the only time I've ever done it. And I th- it's a real sense of achievement that day, you know, that we turned turned turn things around. So that was a fantastic day and, and then as manager, obviously, um, I can't go back, you know, the, I remember the the two Rangers games. The one at Ibrox, we were 1-0, but Graham Bain scores. The away fans were fantastic, Cali Thistle fans that day. But I still say to this day, the noisiest I've ever heard of Caledonia Stadium was when Ranton hit that 25-yarder to beat Rangers in the last minute. I, I, I just think it's probably the noisiest I've ever heard our stadium. It was fantastic. So, so these are the sort of games, the five or six games, Andrew, that I always... Regurgitate because you know they just were such big occasions.
1: Yeah. Do you remember the last game at Brookville? You came off the bench yeah,
3: that day. Sure. Yeah. Who's, who scored the last ever official goal, James? <laughs> 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 ah, Robbo. I, was, I think it was 38 at the time. We we're certainly touching not far off. I think Robbo took me off the bench. Says half an hour ago, I'm going to stick you up front. He says, "Go and see the Rafa map, Charlie." And I thought to play. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, got the winning goal. There was a bit of cry whether his he had carried it over the byline. Uh, Steve right. Stevie's usual perfect first touch, guys. You know,
2: second
3: touch the tackle. <laughs> uh, exactly, Steve. But no, that was, that was a great game. Enjoyed that too. And I felt sorry for Falkirk, who, who that year were a great team, but got denied promotion because the the criteria about the stadium. You know.
1: Um, so that was your your last goal for for Inverness, Charlie. But Ryan, something that must stand out for you is your is your first goal. Um, do you remember it?
4: Yeah, the Motherwell one. Yeah, the only thing I'm gutted about with that was obviously that they then went down the other end and scored to win the other game, but uh, <laughs> uh, kind of killed everything about it. But uh, it was still amazing. Obviously, I remember something I've been. I'm still kind of watch clips of it as well. And um, I don't know who the commentator commentator was in that game, but uh, the commentary on it is something like the the, the Christie legacy runs on and everest. So I just I loved listening to that as well. <laughs> uh,
1: <Brilliant. laughs> But yeah, yeah
4: it's obviously amazing to score my kind of first goal and um, I remember even all the boys afterwards. Um, I spoke about this the other day when I was doing press in terms of, um, you know, how good all the kind of older boys around me were when I broke through in Inverness. But even after that game, we'd, we'd lost it and I think, you know, it was a kind of big loss. I can't remember why. I think maybe it meant by the way, got, I mean, may, we might have been chasing them or something like that in the league. Um, can't remember, but but even after that, obviously all the boys were gutted. But they still every single one of them kind of came over to me after the game and congratulated me, and um, you know said I kind of deserved it and stuff like that. So it was um, yeah, it was you know one of my very kind of special memories
5: in football.
1: Yeah. I think you had to. I think you had uh, nine sub appearances uh, that season before you got your first start. It was in a two-two draw against St Mirren. I was looking at the teams that day. Uh, you were up against uh, Stephen Thompson, Kenny McLean, and Big Jim Goodwin. Those are some big lads. Did they? Uh, did they let it, let you know you were in a game? How did you how did you find starting that match?
4: Uh, I don't know if it was that game, but I remember Jim Goodwin once. I'm uh, playing against him, and uh, I caught him late, but th- th- completely unlike me. Obviously, I, I didn't mean it. Um, I caught him late, and a couple minutes afterwards, he, he came running past me, and, he's, and Nick Ross was playing as well, and he went, uh, "Who just caught me late? Was that you or Nick Ross?" <laughs> I, just, I just went, oh, was Nick." <laughs> 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 it' is absolutely better, of either. Uh but yeah, he, he he barely knew how to kind of sort of his dominance in a game. But um yeah, yeah, it was good obviously. All the kind of appearances and, and yogi that as soon as he came in just kind of started drip feeding me into first team football straight away.
5: You were talking about the senior players and when we spoke to um Greg Tancy and Carl Schumacher they both kind of said that you were the best player they played with at the club. Does that when you think about them do you kind of still think of them as senior players who you learned a lot from did they teach a lot about the game and how to play certainly can see playing midfield yeah absolutely i think just training with these guys every day i mean as soon as like i said Yogi came in
4: i started training with them and um you know they were all so supportive i mean um like my dad said even even when i was kind of coming through to the first team i was really kind of slight in my build and and um, really skinny and every single one of them at one point or another kind of offered to take me to the gym and show me gym programs and things yeah. I can do off the training pitch to kind of help me. Um, which, when I was younger coming through, maybe you just at the time you think it's the kind of norm all oh, like everyone wants to help, but, um, you know, more that I learn, I've, I've seen now in my career that that's actually quite rare. I mean, you can get, um, you know, a lot of footballers that maybe the word selfish is a bit harsh, but you know what I mean? Not as many people go out of their way. What I'm trying to say to you know to help their teammates, and yet every single every single guy in that international was it was almost like they, you know they were desperate for me to do well. Which looking back now is you know absolutely amazing, and I owe a lot, a lot to them. And you know I could list probably every single one of them at one point another I had a conversation yeah. trying to trying to help me out. So um, yeah, the likes of Tansy, I mean, he was a joy to play with, especially for me when I was playing number ten. And and you've got somebody like him who can just wrap the ball into you. Um,
5: you know, it's makes my job easier. Charlie, one of the things about you is that obviously you had a really long career. Um, and it's hard for us to know when, you know, you've peaked as a player. Because obviously, you know, I remember you being brilliant with Thistle. And then obviously I didn't really see you much for Cali in the, in the late 80s. And then Cali Thistle, you know, you've said already you regret kind of the fact that you were 28, 29 before you started. Do you have a kind of a sense of when you really peaked? You know, because obviously that Celtic game, the Aberdeen game that followed, you were still brilliant in those games.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, before I got the move to Celtic in this 1, League in 86, 87, I was like, after to got High League Player of the Year that year, I'm doing, I am doing got the move the start of the following season. And, you know, played in a great team, albeit it was a non-league team, but I, I really thought it was flying then. I think it was, what, 19 and a half at the time, 19 yeah. and a half, 20, and then got the move. But then, it's funny, because after that, I would say the year 2000, which is amazing, given the fact that I was, what, 34. Yeah. The year did Celtic that season, I think I played. If I look back at 34, I played 43 games out of 44, which is for given my age, was quite phenomenal. You know, I, I was I had the most attendance, most appearances that year. And that year, I remember I and, and why it was, it was a mental thing. Under, I remember thinking, my time's running out here. You know, I'm not. I, I love this so much, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to have many more years of this. And I, I really apply, my fitness was good. My, my, my mental you know mind uh, I really focused on games and the way I went about things was I, I just wish I'd, i I remember laughing as I say I wish I'd been like that when I was 24 you know it was but I remember talking to Alan Hurcher God rest his soul the big man about it and he could relate to that because he was a bit like that you know so I think then actually was that year 99-2000 was you know and Carly Thistle were playing some phenomenal stuff at the time which helped too you know
2: that's for you, Ryan. Um obviously your dad said also you played out the right, you played in the left. I think you'd agree, and I think as his fans would agree that I think your best position is number ten or just behind the striker. Yeah. How much do you feel probably in your opinion, when you played out right or left, do you lose from your game when you pushed it wide? Do you think it gives you a disadvantage or is it just a preference to play the middle?
4: Uh I think it I think it depends on the game, to be fair. Um like my dad said earlier, like for example, that game itself, Celtic, I think when he played me wide right, it wasn't you know, it was like he was just kind of throwing me out there to shoehorn me, shoe me in a team. It was, um, you know, it was... Strategy behind uh, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, most of the times in that way, it, it kind of paid off. I mean, I, I certainly don't, don't hate playing wide right. I mean, I've, I've had plenty of games where I've loved kind of wide right and get most of the ball and especially when a fullback kind of doesn't track in the park, it suits me. But um, just for me, yeah, playing, playing number 10 is... Um, that's my favourite in terms of I just think you can affect the game much more I think sometimes wide wide left wide right you can go 15-20 minutes in a game without touching a ball and you think I'm not doing anything here so mm-hmm. number 10 you always kind of feel part of it you always feel like you can have an impact on the game um, I mean left wing I, I don't think I should <laughs> play left wing again I don't have I don't have the pace or skills to go down the outside and put balls in the box so uh, yeah number 10 a right wing for me normally
1: Right, I said it is there a player that you maybe model yourself on? Maybe someone that's not a million miles away?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say, growing up, obviously, I, I love watching Barcelona. Um, I think I was lucky that when I was kind of maybe 14, 15, they had that ridiculous team under Pep Guardiola and um, the way they played football and... I watched a documentary on him recently. I told my dad to watch it as well. And it was on Sky Sports and just about mm-hmm. like the players talking about his coaching and stuff. And uh, when I s- you see clips of the way they played football, it was ridiculous. So you would switch them on and, and watch them play football and just think, I, I wish I could kind of play football like that. So I like to kind of Iniesta. Obviously, it's easy to say Messi. But Iniesta was probably a wee bit more my kind of position as-, as a player. And, um you know, you'd you'd watch them kind of their game awareness on a pitch. Um, I mean, that's what makes every fan unbelievable in the stands because they can see the whole pitch from where they're sitting, especially when you're watching it on TV. But to have that game awareness when you're on the pitch, knowing for everyone is around you. Um, you know, it was it was ridiculous. I just count myself lucky that I was at a perfect age to kind of watch them playing
0: together.
1: Talking about um, Barcelona, the the glorious Cali kind of like 1415 season. You know, when we played like Barcelona, we finish, uh, we finished third in the league. Uh, we win the Scottish Cup. Um, did, what was training like? And I think we've talked to another couple of the, uh, your teammates at a time. What was training like in the build-up to that season? Because we really hit the ground running that season and you know it just continued for the entire year. We're, at the start of the season, was that something you, you thought was going to happen in terms of the levels you seen with the boys in training?
4: Yeah, I, w- I would probably say so. Yeah, In terms of when we, were, when we first kind of got into that, that first game um, against Hamilton, um, we played some good stuff there. I think when, when Yogi came in, that kind of halfway through the, the season before, he didn't really want to change too much because, I mean, it wasn't like there was much wrong, um, you know, when Terry left. So, um, you know, we, he didn't really tweak it as much. And then it was when we kind of came into that pre-season before that season you're talking about, he really kind of started to implement his ideas. and You know, we had kind of weekly meetings on how he wanted to play and just him basically in front of the whiteboard back back to kind of school a little bit and just... Teaching, teaching everybody the way we wanted to play. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I think it was easier for me because that was the way I wanted to play anyway. It kind of suited my game. Plus, I was really young, so i was still learning the game. But even the likes of kind of Gary Warren, people like this, who, you know, were, were older, the way they kind of took it and, um, you know, their, their, their game became unbelievable. I mean, Gaza turned from somebody who was known for just heading the ball and kicking people was now one of the best centre-halves in the league in terms of he could could pass out. and um, When you look at that, I think that's what you kind of have to give John Hughes all the credit for in terms of he didn't come in and, you know, sign a heap of players that knew how to play already. He kind of moulded it with the players that we already had. Um, And in that season, yeah, the kind of build-up we had, all we did was kind of mini possessions and training. We we did boxes, like rondos, every single morning for 20 minutes, every single day. Um, And again when you're a player especially for me when I was younger I just thought oh, this is good because it's a drill I like you don't really think of you know what it's for um, you just think it's amazing I, I love playing rondo so I'll happily do this for 20 minutes every day and then it's on a Saturday when you see the kind of results of it so um, yeah it was it was amazing and I look back now and with the, 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 um, the group of players we had with Yogi coaching us I think it was obvious that we were going to do well.
2: Was there, a, was there a worry, Ryan? Because I, I, you said all the players were susceptible to change and stuff. Have you been in Birmingham for the pre-season friendly? Yep. Yeah. What what, what do think that was. But um, we got be 3-1, I think, didn't we? 3-1, 3-0. And I, for one, was like, this isn't going to work. And was there a point maybe during pre-season you went, oh, maybe this is too, maybe too much too soon or stick with it? And I do
4: remember that game against Birmingham as well. Um, and I, we did get beat, but I do remember we, we came off and Yogi was going to, happy with us he you know he said look that's, that's the way we've got to play and I think after that the boys kind of thought yeah it's you know he's all in with this in terms of you know we're not going to get beat 2-0 on the first day and he's going to go back to you know four for two route one stuff so um you know it was really good we played another game that preseason against Wraith I think it was and it was only 1-0 but uh we just passed like passed them off but I don't think I've ever passed a team off the park like that it was ridiculous and be fair, to be fair, to rate that killed them because they they'd cut their their pitch perfect and watered it before the game, and then just helped us batter them even more. So, <laughs>
1: um, so Good. you go you go from preseason to you know winning the Scottish Cup at the end of the year. But um, how how does winning the Scottish Cup at such a such a young age, and given that that was with your hometown team, how does that con- compare to winning it as a as a first team player with Celtic?
4: Obviously, very very different. I think it. It's Celtic, obviously everybody talks about the the kind of expectation. Um in terms of, you know, every every competition you enter with Celtic, your um, you know, you, your your aim is to win it. Um so so there is that kind of pressure and um sometimes when you know when you win the cup with Celtic there is that feeling of a bit more of kind of relief because you know, well, ten times out of ten you're going into into it as, as the favourite, especially in the cup finals. Whereas you know, with Inverness and the Scottish Cup, nobody, you know, it's just a dream to, to win a Scottish Cup with Inverness. So so it was the, the polar opposite. And um, again, when when you're doing it and when you're in it, you, you don't, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, everybody says it, but you don't really realise it. And then it's only now, later on in my career, kind of looking back on it and, and uh, you know, reminiscing about them times that I realised kind of how special they were.
1: And Charlie, are you getting, I presume you're getting um, luxury hospitality box ticket seats for these? for all these cup finals and everything, European matches?
3: I dream on. He's got a girlfriend now, Andrew, I'm afraid, so I'm second choice. <laughs> That's
1: a shocker. That's a shocker, Ryan.
3: Exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, it's been great. I mean, I just, just listening there to Ryan, I mean, I've, I've got goosebumps when he talks about Yogi coming in and changing our playing style. And I mean, I think all of us guys, for that nine months, see if I could turn the clock back, I think we would just all savour it that bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, what we watched and... As you say, 2014-15 and the culmination of the, the semi and the final was just phenomenal. And, and started, but the other thing I'll say, we forget the quality we had throughout the team. You know, yeah. the quality, you know, we don't, we realise Shinny. How good is Graeme Shinny? You know, Ryan was breaking into the scene and getting better as the months went by. Marley Watkins, fantastic. Meekings and, and Warren, a great defence. We know we had real, real quality right throughout the side. So um, but, Kink. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll cut the <a> joke, Steve. No, <laughs> but, but no, but, uh, but no, it was great. It's been great just listening there. It's, it's fantastic I'm hearing some things I've never heard before, and it's it's fantastic. And it takes you back. And it's just um, again, I've said it all the time, guys. We don't give ourselves enough credit as a club what we've achieved, and we certainly don't get enough credit from this area, in the Highlands. They should be all over Caledonia, there's a group yeah. club giving us every inch of help they can for what we've done for this area. I agree.
2: Yeah, I
1: totally agree. So, life after playing for Cali Thistle, uh, Ryan, you joined a long list of Inverness's greatest exports. That list being the Dream Ring, Karen Gillan, and uh, the Dream, the Dream <laughs> Ring. But, uh, uh, but your last season at Inverness, fifteen was fifteen sixteen, having signed for Celtic that summer. Uh, then you came back to us on what was supposed to be a season-long loan move. Was that something that you'd requested, or, or you know, was that Celtic that suggested? That how did that come about?
4: I think it was it was kind of me that requested. it. I think Yogi was all for it as well, um, and probably looking back, I, I, I don't know, but I don't think Celtic, you know, were signing me as a, a kind of big player to throw me straight into to first team football. So you know, it probably suited me more to go back on loan at Burness and get a few more games just in the Premiership under my belt. Um, you know, the frustrating thing was that um, you know the injury that kind of that kind of came and, and halted that and. kind of ruined the plan a little bit but um you know I think it was always I mean you said it was season long I think Celtic had said to me that they were always planning on you know activating that there was a recall clause in the January and they said to me look we'll we'll be we'll be recalling you then so you know play until January and then we'll take you in but um you know it turns out obviously managed to got to, to play the first few matches and then um you know injured my knee um and to be fair, you know, I was very lucky that I'd signed that deal with Celtic. I mean, um, you know, no, no offence to Inverness, but obviously Celtic had a far greater kind of, um, you know, physio side to them and, and medical staff. So, um, you know, as soon as I got injured, the physio at Celtic, Tim Williams called me up and, um, you know, it was brilliant with me. And, and I just went down to Glasgow early to do my kind of prehab with them and my rehab and, um, you know, that really kind of helped me. Um, and then after that injury, there was... I think I was fit maybe just at the end of December and, you know, there was kind of rumours or talk that maybe I might get to go back to Inverness for, for one last game, which I kind of quite liked the thought of at the time, you know, just as a kind of send off. But I think in reality that was, you know, it was a bit stupid, it was never going to happen. So I just ended up staying in Glasgow and, um, you know, the Celtic player from then on.
1: So you came back from that injury uh, and I think you came on in the sixty seventh minute in a 3 one for Celtic against ourselves at Parkhead. Was that a strange sensation, playing against these guys that you'd been teammates with for such a, well, s- certainly a couple of seasons? Um, I think we had Draper and, and Vigers in midfield that day, and so you're a guy coming back from injury. You know, were you a bit worried they were going to leave a couple of studs on? <laughs>
4: <laughs> to be fair, I, I came on and Danny Devine put me up in the air, And then I looked at me, he just winked at me and laughed. So I thought, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think after after the game they were all kind of straight over to me and asking how I was settling in and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was brilliant. And it, my my regret so far, I mean, it sounds strange that I want to play against Inverness being a fan, but, you know, I've I've yet to kind of go back up and play Inverness again since I left, which I really want to do that. It's, you know, one of, you know, a kind of selfish hope for, for me wanting Inverness to be back into the Premiership as well, because I'd really like to go back up there and, and play. I mean, when we play Ross County, every single one of the Celtic boys complains that it's another trip up the A9. I think I'm the only one celebrating that. I get to go home. So. <laughs> yeah. well, we're going to yeah. talk
1: about County in a little bit. Steve, have you got a question?
2: Ah, yeah. You made, me six penalties for Celtic that season. Um, we we're going to ask you how you felt scoring your first goal against Motherwell. I think was the day that Celtic won the league, but we'll, we'll ask a proud dad. Charlie, how did that feel, seeing your boys score for the Hoops?
3: That oh, was great, Steve, I was down, obviously, me and the wife went down, It was I got the nod, actually, I kind of, I think it was, might be John Collins told me I got the nod the night before that he was going to be starting, mm-hmm. I think, um, it might have been via Yogi, actually, um, so I went down and oh, it was brilliant, you missed an absolute sitter, halfway through the first half, I remember, <laughs> and then you uh, the fair a bit of magic by Rodic and Ryan took it really well, and just a special feeling, and it's funny, because I think Dale had said after the game in his interview, in fact, I know he did, Ronnie said, because you know, Ryan played just off the front then, I think, and, and played very well. And I said, oh, perhaps I should have played him more in the previous three or four months. And I remember that, Ryan getting a bit pissed off when he heard that, you know, because I know he was getting frustrated not getting more game time. Um, but no, it was just, uh, it's just a special feeling. I just thought, Steve, I thought it's another step in the ladder, hopefully another step forward.
5: Yeah. Uh, Charlie, going back to your kind of, I mean, you never really left ICP, but like moving on from playing to, to managing, um, you were obviously coaching profile and then when you were asked to take over as manager in January of six, initially as caretaker, was it something you'd actually been seriously considering or did you do it more out of a sense of duty to the club at first?
3: No, there was a bit of duty, Steve. Yeah, 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 Andrew, you're right, honestly. I, I, I never really thought, Brewster would take me in as a first team coach and I was getting into the way of things and really enjoying it and I was having more input in the training ground and on match days as a first team coach, which I really enjoyed. You know, I just, I was having a little say at the team talks and kind of to touching the way that the opposition would play and, and no, <laughs> a good thing to do, and there's no pressure. You know, All the right. first coaches have very little pressure on them. So, but then, you know, I think I made it clear at the time, I didn't think I was quite ready, but, you know, fair play to Graham Bennett, says, Charlie, it's an opportunity for you, quite not give it a go? Um, one of the standing games, I think we went to air in the, in the cup replay and we played really well, 1-2-0, very professional performance. And also Andy Walker, actually, I spoke to Andy Walker who was doing Sky Sports that night and he said, Charlie, why don't you give it a go? You know, you, and I, you know, I gave it a bit of thought and thought, well, why not? Um, and I'm delighted it was. And The full season in charge I had, as I've said this before, when I look, look back at it now, I, I don't think we realised how successful the club was at the time. You know, we, yeah. we, at home we were going toe-to-toe with anyone. Glasgow Celtic, Glasgow Rangers, Aberdeen. Um, I remember being gutted at drawing at you know. I remember being disappointed at drawing at Ibrox one day. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you look, look now, you think, probably again, a bit like 2014
5: 15, we didn't realise, or I didn't realise, how well we were doing. I think you came in happy through something like an 11 game unbeaten run, and we scored something like 18 goals in six games, um, which was just amazing. Was that kind of part of a deliberate philosophy, deliberate kind of attempt for you to make us more attacking? Or was it just that Wyndham and Dargo were playing so well at the time that, you know, it just kind of got
3: no lucky. great. Steve, good, good on you, Andrew. Sorry, Paul. I, I mean, you're bang on in that. Um, people forget. I brought Wyndham into the team. He wasn't mm-hmm. playing. You know, one of my favourite ever players to play, to step in a football field with, to coach, to manage, to, to be about. And as a football player, as we all know, any Cali Thyselfan knows, he's a wonderful player, Dennis Wyndham. So I, you know, I lost Brewster. Apart from Craig leaving as a manager. He was a regular player, and, and playing well for us. So he was a massive loss. So I then went to, and played more a it was more a four four one one, probably similar to today's four two three one, you know. And and I played Dennis just off Darg's. Darg's played in the shoulder, and the two of them for they were just untouchable. I think Dennis scored seven goals in his first six games for me.
5: Yeah, I checked. I think it was said um, they scored thirteen between them. They all scored in six right. consecutive games. I think Dargo scored seven. Dennis scored six or something like that. It was it was crazy. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And, and they were, we were playing good. And it's
3: funny because I can see we're listening to Ryan there about the John Hughes story. I did want to change the way we played because we did get back to front with Brew quite quickly because Brew could take it in. He had a physical presence. Whereas when I lost Craig, I thought if I'm going to go with Wyness and Dargo, we need to play differently. And I brought in John Rankin and Don Cowie. I wanted boys that were comfortable with the ball to their feet. I didn't care whether they were tall or small as long as they could play the game. And as I say, for 15 months. And I was like to hear John Rankin there the other day saying um, how well he thought we played for that season and some of the stuff we played. I remember one of the games, Gents, you might remember it. We absolutely wiped the floor with Hibs 3-0 at the stadium. Yeah. And John John was our manager at the time, John Collins. They couldn't get the ball off us. The only, the only thing is, a fair result that day would have been six or seven. And, and we were playing at that period, we were playing some real good stuff, you know.
1: Charlie, you've you've made you obviously made a decision to take the manager's job at, uh, with the club, but Ryan, you've you've got a similar decision to make when you're not getting a game at Celtic at the start. So you moved to Aberdeen. I think it's the, I was looking at starts the first two games up at Todri. You're still on the bench. Did you just think I should have just gone up the road and get my mum's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can assure you, did it. <laughs>
2: you're getting all the haircuts, that like Charlie. That's
4: you in the doghouse now. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was. I mean, uh, when when Brandon Rogers kind of first came in that um, you know preseason after Ronnie Dyla, he actually you know he was really good with me, and he you know in all the kind of training we did, um, I seemed to be playing in the shape we were doing. Um, he was going to play me left left wing, which as we spoke about earlier, wasn't isn't exactly one of my favorite positions. And then we played uh his first game in charge was against the Lincoln Red over in Gibraltar. When I started that game, and I remember him coming to me before and saying, you know, you've been brilliant in pre-season and, you know, I really like you, just relax. And then, I mean, I can blame blame a hundred different reasons. You know, it was roasting hot and the Astro was rubbish, but it was probably one of my worst games as a as a professional footballer. I remember, like, the one positive way attack we had and it got slipped out wide to me. And all I needed to do was just kind of feed it across the six-yard box for a tap-in and I put it out the other side for a throw-in somehow. <laughs> uh, and after that, I remember just being absolutely gutted after that game and thinking i you know have s- slipped up here and then the qualifiers on from that, I kind of slowly was working out I think the next year I was on the next couple I was on the bench, and then I was eventually in the stand and um obviously after a few months of that by the time it got to the kind of January time, I thought um you know it was maybe best to go get some football and again, so friend ro kind of, he pulled me in and said look you've you've been really good, don't think you kind of out out my plans, but right now." Obviously, the the team that he had at that point was ridiculous, absolutely flying, and um, he kind of said, you know, if you stay here, you know, you might get some some game time, but it's going to be very limited. Um, and then obviously he told me that, that Darren McInnis had been on the phone, kind of asking, um, asking some questions, and um, it was funny because I bumped into the 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 summer before, I I was off on holiday with one of my mates, and. Um, Stopped for a Five Guys on the way to the airport and bumped into Derek McInnes in the queue. And he said, uh, he said, did you fancy coming on loan to us next season? Just kind of like, in passing, I just kind of laughed it off. Uh, and yeah, and then yeah, obviously six months later, I ended up going. I think that night, I obviously called my dad and asked his opinion on it, which is normally my first thing. And um, yeah, he kind of agreed that it was probably good to go out. and Especially at Aberdeen, you know, it was maybe a bit different if it was a team kind of near the bottom of the league, which was struggling for rele- relegation. And, you know, maybe getting beat every other week, whereas Aberdeen still had that kind of expectation to do well and especially, you know, and um, you know, their fans put nice station on their players to, to win most matches. So um, I think that definitely helped going out there and I absolutely love my time at Aberdeen. It
2: was brilliant. It was it only Aberdeen that was in, in, in frame, Ryan, or was other team was England maybe an option back then or just Aberdeen and Aberdeen only?
4: Uh, I, I honestly can't really remember. You'll probably know better than me, Dad, but I don't think so. I think Aberdeen was the... Main one, there was, there was talk of Inverness for a quick minute. I don't know if that was real or just people suggesting it, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a nice thought, like you just said, you know, to kind of come back and play for Inverness again. But um, I think Aberdeen was definitely the right move in terms of my career, like I said, with a, Um, you know, still the kind of high demands that Aberdeen expected. So mm-hmm. I went there, and um, you know, it was really enjoyed it. I remember. They kind of we we agreed it on a Thursday night, maybe at, at eight o'clock, um, and then I thought, oh, that's very nice. I'll just pack. I'll, I'll pack up tomorrow, maybe go in, say goodbye to the boys, and I'll head up for Saturday. Um, and Aberdeen had a, had a game, and Darren McInnes called me and was like, no, you need you need to get up right now and, and you're training tomorrow so that you, we can have you for the game on Saturday. So you know, threw half my wardrobe in a in a bag and drove up. And then halfway up the road is when that infamous tweet came out
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: about Aberdeen. And, uh, <laughs> and then Del McInnes again called me halfway up the road and said, it just started like having a laugh with me saying, what is this I'm hearing about some tweet or something like that. And um, anyway, got up to Aber- Aberdeen about one in the morning and trained the next day. We played a, a, a kind of... um bounce match or, or just maybe 20 minutes um, going through and I, I scored a goal with my team on 1-0 so I was kind of that helped me kind of settle in a wee bit and you know obviously when you, you join a new team the first thing you want to do is kind of show your teammates that you know you've got a bit of ability and you're not out of place so and that certainly helped.
1: So you're on, you're on five for Aberdeen you have a great few months but it's a different story um, in Inverness and we play Aberdeen actually in the last game before the split I think we lose 1-0 did you did you worry for Callie Thistle at the time with the warning signs and the way that Callie Thistle were playing on the park that you might go down? And I think I was surprised, given the level of talent that we still had to, at our disposal.
4: Yeah, it was first like it was you know it was gutting for me to to see it. Um, you know, obviously it was still it was still the first <laughs> after my game was done. It was still the first. Uh, it was the first uh, result I would look for on my phone. You know, to see how they did that weekend and um, you know the whole time, obviously. I remember the day when we did get relegated and we needed a miracle anyway. I think Hamilton needed to lose and we needed to win or something. I listened to the Hamilton game on the radio and it was just kind of, you know, just felt gutted at the way it kind of panned out. And yeah, like you said, with the players still available and obviously the, you know, the, the level they were at when I left, you know, it was it was mad to see the kind of change and what happened in such kind of short period of time, really.
1: Yeah. Um, Charlie, even though we look at that squad and, um, we look at the situation we're in now and you know, we wonder how it's, how it's come to the, the position the club finds itself in. From a guy like yourself who knows the club and knows all the characters that were involved with the club at the time, what, for you, were the main factors in us getting relegated?
3: Uh, asking John Hughes to leave. Uh, first and foremost, um, not keeping, you know, we, when John Hughes won the cup, he should have been taken into an office and given a, an extended contract on improved terms. We should have tried, moved heaven and earth to keep that man happy what he'd done for the football club. Um, I I also think we must remember too, we lost a lot of quality and it's it's something guys usually know inside out, you three gents being good fans of the clubs, is that we've never really got our contract situation right and that we seem to lose a lot of players for nothing. And then of course, we don't have the finances, Andrew, to replace them with the same quality. Watkins out the door for nothing, Shinny out the door for nothing, Liam Paworth is a particular bugbear of mine because yeah. there's a boy that joined the club at nine years of age. You know, we bring him in similar to Ryan. I mean, um, and, and we end up getting nothing. What's out the door? We get nothing for him. All that we've put into him. And I'm, I'm over the moon at Liam's development. And I, I phoned him at the end of the season and say, well done, to, great. But, you know, we've never quite had that right. You know, um, but I do think that we lost a lot of quality in a short space of time. I mean, we lost the backbone of the team um, in a very short space of time, and we didn't replace them with anything like
5: the same quality. Sorry, yeah, I'm um, just going from from Richie Foran going, which I think at the time most people thought is maybe is maybe the right thing. Um, to the end of your own kind of your spell in seven o eight I think even though you you know we'd had a bad start to the season, I don't remember any of the supporters particularly wanting you to go or anything like that. Um, and I think you just said the pressure was something you were no longer happy with um, was there anything else at the club at that stage that you know you felt was changing that you, you just wanted to step back from or was it purely just your own kind of family family situation that made you step down from the role no
3: there was uh, one of the things and, and i don't you know don't get me, i hope don't get me wrong here because it's not a dig at any individual at all but one of the things that didn't sit well on I me mean, that year and it was the signing of Marius you know <laughs> And, and don't get, the man's an absolute gentleman. I've spoken to Mario since he's left. Top top class guy. Really great guy. Great football player. Lovely man. But I just because I knew where what was in our blood as a club, I didn't like the idea of a guy in the changing room. I mean, I knew what Russell Duncan and Roy McBain earned. These guys are real legends, you know, our club. These are guys that we don't talk about highly enough, you know, the, the Russell Duncan's Roy McBain's. They set the, the Foundations in place for what we achieved in 2014-15, um, the, the Topleys along there and the Winasses as well. Um, so that that didn't sit well. I, I had a 40-minute conversation with my director of football, Graham Bennett, one night. My wife was actually in the room and it was just good because I wanted a witness actually to the call. And I get on well with Graham, he's a close, close pal of mine. And I tried to persuade him, just I wasn't sure it was the way the club should go. In fact, I was a bit more stronger, shall we say, than that. So that didn't sit well with me. I also wanted the club to move heaven and earth to sign Craig Dargo. He just signed 16 goals for me, um, over 20 goals in all competitions. And I said, look, we need to push the boat out. And, and it'd be fair to Graham and the board, Graham in particular said, Charlie, and, and again, this is maybe where we've lost our way a little bit. Graham said, no, we can't afford it as a club. He says, and I, I'm telling you, I'm not, I wasn't intending offering them in the world, guys, but I just thought it was such an integral part to the way I played and the way I wanted to play. And, and the, I thought we could have done a wee bit more to try and keep him. Although Dargs did want to go back down because of the geography of the situation too, obviously, go near Glasgow. But um, So there was one or two other things I will do apart from just the, you know, and, but I'm, I'm also, honest enough to say, I was, you know, I was a bit, I can be impetuous at times and it's caused me problems, shall we say. And I was probably a bit knee-jerk reaction at the time. Because, mm. I'm confident, had I stayed right through, that things would have been fine, and and we would have picked that because we'd we'd had enough quality in the squad without a shadow of a doubt.
2: We did, my man. Charlie, my questions around Marius, and obviously Russell Duncan touched on it, but it's higher wages recently. All that being aside, though, and obviously players knowing that Marius is on an absolute fortune compared to those guys. How was the harmony? Harmony in the dressing room was it? Was it spoken about? Did did he joke with Marius about it? Did he joke about his money or anything like that? No, no,
3: it wasn't. Actually, I knew uh, Stephen Good. I know football. I know, I know what players are like, you know. And I, I, knew, I played with a lot of these guys that got 75% of that change them, I'd been in the field with. So I know And 90% of them were good characters, but there are always one or two that have got too much to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and I agreed with him, Steve. I, I must admit, I agreed. With, you know, I know what Russell Douthat was getting paid. And to get us to 7th place and 58 points, quarterfinals of both Cups, and... You know, it was just, it was worth a lot more. And so it must have them. him. It would have me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And Russell was a gent and Roy McBain. He's the top of the tree, these guys. And, but no, I never noticed anything. I mean, I'm obviously in the manager's office now, so, you know, change rooms are quite often closed door affairs. But no, but I, I just, in my own mind, Steve, I just, I wasn't totally comfortable. And it's funny because the chairman I had and the guy that sort of trying to instigated it was Alan Savage. Alan and Savage, yeah i have a beer with Alan now. He's a great guy. You know, I would love to see Mr. Savage back involved with the club. I think he'd be good for our football club. Uh, I speak to Alan about this. Um, it's one of my things, my wishes, if I could have a genie in a bottle, Steve, I, I would get the four or five big hitters to sit down at the table in this area and get behind our club. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a personal ambition of mine. I don't know if it's, I doubt it's achievable, but it's a nice uh, fairy tale to have. But Alan wanted to to, to and he wanted to do it to make the club better and I knew that he wasn't doing it to be to play the big man that. he was doing it because he wanted to make Cali Thistle better he wanted to step on he wanted to support me he was very supportive but I just didn't think he got the lifeblood the, of the club what we was built on and it, it might do a bit harm to that um, but um, you know but listen Marius as a person as a trainer on the training ground I actually quite enjoyed talking to football tactics when I was manager but pre-season I took them out and I spoke to him because he thoroughly enjoyed training. He was quite complimentary about the way the boys trained, but I um, just the financial background to it
5: didn't sit great with me.
1: Right, coming up next: Celtic, Denwell, Ding Dongs, and Scotland. Where'd
0: you wanna drink? Well, 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 well. The Glen Albyn, the, the, the in, the, the Jolly Drover, the Castle Tawern, Cupcake Shops, Turn a Gallon, the City Bar, Number Twenty Seven, Phoenix Lotters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mumbles Hush. Peepies, Kibbies, Gannies, Rileys, Berties, Kilmore, Hootenannies.
1: Right, uh, let's look at some of the highlights of both of your careers. Um, we've talked about most of them already, but uh, Ryan, the season just passed. You, you've just banned in. I think, 20 goals in total, which is about double what you hit the previous season. What What's changed from that season to this season? Uh, well,
4: probably one more obvious one. I've, I've probably played more games. You know, I've, I've been playing since the start of the season. Obviously, the season before, I, I didn't break into the team until the kind of October, November time, I think it was. And then, um, you know, got a hamstring injury in February and then was back for a game and then, you know, mashed up my face. So, um I think this season obviously I've I've had a a more kind of um steadier run of games throughout the full season which has definitely helped. Um and that and then probably playing in just a wee bit more advanced position I think under Brendan Rodgers I was more of kind of eight and um you know I loved the way that, that Brendan had us playing but it was a lot more a lot more rigid um especially in terms of the kind of midfield positioning um in terms of you know you had Brunier or Cal who's you know the number 6 and that was their job and then the two eights were kind of you know if I was left side eight then you know it was a, it, it was um, you know it was it was frowned upon if I went anywhere near the right side of the pitch that's how kind of strategic right. it was and you know it was seen as me the left winger and the left back working a three um, you know and all uh, you know it, it worked a treat I mean it was amazing again a different way of football that I kind of learned and um, you know the, another kind of strength to my bow that I got to add and then obviously under the gaffer now when he's come in and he pulled me straight away in preseason and. And um, we, we played a bounce game where I did quite well, and he pulled me after that and said, "Look, I want you to kind of play number ten. I think that's that's your best position." Um, he said that when he was wanting to kind of sign me at Hibs, that that's that's where he thought he he wanted to play me. So um, that's definitely helped. It just gives me more of a kind of uh, free role, um, you know, throughout the game and lets me kind of float about and try and get into um, you know little pockets of space and um, obviously closer to the striker and closer to the goal. So so that's definitely helped. You know, me um, me may, may get to to get to the twenty goal mark this season.
1: It's quite interesting. You say that uh, Rogers was quite rigid, whereas Lennon maybe gives you more freedom. Because from a fan's perspective, they might think that the opposite might be true. Given the the sort of the fluidity of Rogers football.
4: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like under Rodgers again, I said it was you know it was one of the most well it still is the most successful time of the club's career under Celtic. So um, you know the football we had to play was was amazing, but. I think when the Gaffer now came in, he made a point that he wanted us, you know, attacking more quickly. Um, I think Brendan's style was was to kind of wear teams down, and um, you know, sometimes if we we, we you know we, we he always talked about starting starting a game the first twenty minutes to try and blow teams away. And I'd memorised it when he was with Liverpool, um, you know, in the season he did so well with them. If you remember, like they were winning games in the first twenty minutes, they'd be four 0 up, and then that was game done. The same was kind of happening in itself that you know you would. You would, I remember we played Kilmarnock and it was 5 0 by half time. And then the second half was just, you know, Kilmarnock didn't want any more kind of punishment and, and we were just happy to keep the ball. So, um, whereas as the gaffer now is a bit more kind of, you know, just constant attack and, and, and always looking for more goals. And so, you know, it's, you know, it's not, not too far apart styles of football. But, um, you know,
5: for me personally, I think it's certainly, certainly added to my goal tally. Uh, I sorry, Charlie. Your highest scoring season was ninety five, ninety six. Steve Patterson's first year, um, sixteen in all comps. But we actually associate you more as a midfield kind of playmaker under Pelly So, when did he kind of start to recast you more as a midfielder? And at the time, were you were you quite happy with that idea, or were you kind of thinking, well, no, I'm I'm a forward. You know, I want to play a it forward.
3: It's funny, yeah. And Andrew, you're bang on because he he actually spoke to me, Stevie. He wasn't great for for taking players aside individually, actually, but. He did speak to me once and say, look, we need more goals, Charlie, from you. If you're going to play right up top, we need more goals. And I think that was when he started thinking. And then, of course, I think it depends who you recruit as well. I think we got Dennis in as well. So I quite enjoyed playing a bit deeper then with Dennis in front of you. I mean, who wouldn't? you know? So I think it was the fact that uh, I think Stevie knew I wasn't an actual goal scorer. And, and, and that's an absolute fact. I wasn't a Stewart, I wasn't a Paul Ritchie, I wasn't a Dennis, an Adam Rooney. We've had so many at the club and um, so that's when I dropped deep and I was delighted to be honest as well because I think as we all know the older you get the more you can face the play the better you know when you're younger you can take the ball you're back to goal and you're nimble of foot etc but when you get a wee bit older and I was well over 30 then um, you're quite happy to dream you know you, you get the bigger picture in the park and you use your experience a lot more so it was very much an amicable thing myself and Steve it was good we had a wee chat about it actually and, and uh I think it definitely prolonged my career, you know, and as I say, playing centre midfield in 99, 2000, I played 43, 44 games, I think, so it certainly worked well for me.
0: Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? You no know bother sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business.
1: Right, let's get our jabs, get our blue and red face masks on, hop over the Keswick Bridge, barge our way through the Mallard for a pint uh, and introduce the JLN to something called an atmosphere. Let's talk about derbies. Um, when we had Polly on recently, he emphasised how much those games they meant to him. Um, they, had a, they had a real significance to him and he, he really basically just wanted to get it up the county. He wanted to get it up the fans as much as the players. But Charlie, when did it come about that, that these games took on this significance? Because it was Thistle against Cali in the Highland League and it was Cali against Elgin that were the derbies back in the day, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was, Andrew. But you must remember there was quite a bit of animosity built up in Cairos County in the 91-92 season. John Dock was manager of Cali. We actually threw the league away. We went 23 games unbeaten with the massive Scottish Cup run. We ended up uh, beating Clyde, beating Stennis Muir, we drawing with St John's, and then getting beaten in the replay. Um, we were flying at the time, and we actually threw the league away. And there was quite a bit of needle then, you know, mm-hmm. between Cali it was and Roscoe. As I say, Thistle were falling a wee bit by the wayside at that time, disappointingly. But, and, and then I think um, when we both came into the league together, both got voted in. And the first games were friendly um, to a certain degree, but I, I, make, I agree with Polly that, make no mistake, there were massive games to win. And when you think back under the crowds, I mean, I think we broke the record twice within three weeks, was it? We had 5,500 at our place in the third division, and then I believe they had 5,750 at theirs, or vice versa. I'm thinking, for a third division, two part-time teams, we just, it was phenomenal. And it was, these games, people were talking about these games two or three weeks prior to it. You know, it was a bit like old firm games nowadays in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a big, central point of the football discussions for, for that month, and winning the game was so, and, and as I say before, and I'm not being flippant here, but I think we were, our record against them at that time was phenomenal we were basically winning 75 to 80% of the time um, and putting on some really good performances. So I, I loved the games. I really did. I-, I actually, as much as I love playing at the stadium, I love going through to Victoria Park in front of the 5,000 because it was such an atmosphere. And-, and as I say, we tended to play well through there. You know, Wilson seemed to suit, seemed to suit Barry Wilson, it suit Stuart, it suited Dennis. It was phenomenal, you know?
2: Oh, Charlie, so for so the... the- First derby, I think, was, what, County 1 Cali 3, 27th of August, 94. Um, I think you are into that, Dave. you didn't play the first derby, did you? I didn't play the first six weeks
1: yeah.
3: of the, the new teams, though. I had the Herney operation, that's right.
2: And, I suppose, looking back then, do you think the club needed an enemy to sort of bind it together, though? to have a, a common rival to make it go forward?
3: Yeah, I can see where you're coming from after what had gone on with the animosity of the merger. I think we mm. did need something to focus the mind. Yeah, and, and as we know, football fans are tribal. We're all the same. So we did need something like that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that helped as well. And the fact we got the crowds in too. Um, I agree. And, and again, we won these games, which is important too. I remember that uh, Wilson at the time, Wilson was flying. So yeah, I think it did settle us down a little bit but I think it was the following season that I keep going on about it that things really kicked into place. Mm-hmm. And not just the Derby game, another game we don't maybe mention enough is we got to the Pelly's first year in charge. We got to the quarterfinals of the Scottish and played Rangers at Tannadice. Remember the game got moved, guys. Mm-hmm. And I think then was a big, that was a big sort of cornerstone for the club as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that let us turn the corner too because people then realised, look, we need to leave this merger nonsense behind us and step forward. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I won a little bet this season uh, it was a game on the telly on a Sunday Um a team called Ross County against Celtic a certain midfielder scored a brace they won 4-1 I thoroughly enjoyed that um, it must have been fun for you Ryan was it? Uh, I think your first goal you play a 1-2 with the goalkeeper with a penalty Yeah. obviously you're just toying with the, toying with the jail end there uh, and then the second goal you uh, do a wee knee slide to the jail end as well loving
4: yeah. it Second one was better than the first because uh, I mean when I was uh, when I was taking penalties earlier in the season I had to say to the goalkeeping coach what way I was going before the game uh, Stevie Woods and then he in turn would tell the manager and uh, changed my mind that day for some reason I don't know why uh, I was supposed to go to the right went to the left so even though I got the rebound and scored straight after that I thought oh, I'm going to get absolutely screamed out for that <laughs> and then. Uh, Lucky, lucky enough, obviously then they equalized well, I scored again. I thought that might just help my case a wee bit. Uh, the second one was certainly more um enjoyable Obviously, you know obviously the J Land and the wee knee slide as well. So like I said earlier, obviously all the players it's a bit of a trek for them, you know, go up and, and stuff. We normally stay in the Kingsmills Hotel. Um, but I love it. Obviously, I you know, when I was younger, one of our houses was right across the road from that, just to kinda beside the Walker Park. So Um, You know, it's nice for me, kind of nostalgic feeling to go back and, um, you know, I think the the gaffer as well kind of wanted to play me. I think I mentioned in the week how much I kind of would really like to get a win at the weekend. So, um, you know, it was nice for him to kind of play
5: me and then get a couple of goals. It was good. Uh, Charlie, briefly going back to that first season, um, you scored the third goal in a 3-0 win over County at Pelford Street. And I think it basically ended their promotion push. So... County had maybe been a better game that season but was there motivation among the players before that game to stop them going up ahead of Cali Thistle?
3: Yeah there would have been
5: and without a doubt there would have been yeah there was there was extra added
3: incentive. I remember the game actually and I mean again we, we played well that day to be honest. We we were in a bit of a false position I mean on our days you probably know we were capable of wiping the floor with anyone but again I think it, there was a, a an overhang there was a bit of an overhang from the merger without doubt that first season and, and also you know, there was a lot going on behind the scenes politically. So that held us back a little bit. And again, I think Sergey, as much as the man's, a, you know, what he's achieved in the game is incredible. And he's a top gen. I think his style of play, we found it hard to take to. Um, so, but, but no, that that Derby game was, I remember that. we were. It was important that we thought the last thing we can do is have them stepping ahead of us. And, and it was great when we finally got promoted first. And I think for the first... Well, certainly the first decade in existence, we were always ahead of County. You know, it's over the twenty five years there's been very few seasons. You can see that they've been ahead of us in, in terms of football.
2: Charlie here's one you probably will remember. 18th of November two thousand, County nil, Cali three, Wangstubble and Teesdale. I think we told the Antlers off the stackage in front of I think, over six thousand that day at Victoria Park. County ended the game with nine men. <laughs> you had a wee word with Alec Bowen just after you saw Red what did you say to him and were you relieved to see Big Bobby weighed in to shepherd him away?
3: All right, well, poor Boney lost the plot then, actually. You know, it's <laughs> funny because he really did. And he was a good player. We actually looked at signing him, actually, Steve, at one stage. I know Parkson looked. I think he played for Sterling Abbey or something at the time. We looked, but he, I think he, he, his wage demands were out without what the club could offer. So, a bit um, good player. But I remember we were... My biggest regret about that night is we absolutely took our foot off the pedal. We were playing we were actually playing Toro Rondo with him. We were playing two touch round him and mm. we were actually and that was me. I think I was saying Ole when I was passing round him. I kept shouting Olay and they uh, we they were getting angrier and angrier And of course, 'cause Boney's got hot temper is it brought to myself is Alex got a pretty hot temper, lost the plot with challenging someone. And I think I said something and then, and he then goes bananas and he ended up getting three red cards that because I actually met him months later in Foxes, and he was quite, he did a few drinks, I think, Boney, and He <laughs> was quite, he was looking for a bit of an argument, etc. But he turned around and says, you cost me X amount in bonuses and X amount in penis money. I says, Bonnie, it wasn't me that cost you, it was your, yourself that cost you that. But, but no, it was. I remember that day and, you know, we played. My only annoyance that night was we could have, could have ended up 7 or 8 now, you know, <laughs> if, we'd, if we'd kept kept the foot in the front, kept the front foot, as I say. But, uh, but no, another special. One. I think we won, through their, won three times. I think we won through their 3-0. And each time, some of the football we played was, was a joy to watch.
5: Uh, Ryan, Newick came into the team around the time when we were dominating County as well. I think your, your debut was a 2-1 away win. and Mekhi and Doran scored. And then the following season, I think we won 3-1 there. And it's Mekhi and Doran again. So... Was the rivalry as intense when you were, uh, you know, coming up as it was when your dad was? Do you think? I mean, even though most of the team were, were very few Inverness boys actually in the team. they were all kind of like Irish English and this sort of stuff. Was there still that really intense sort of rivalry and sense of motivation for games? Yeah. For me
4: personally, yeah. I mean, I still, when I was coming to the youth, it was it was a big derby. I mean, um, especially when my dad beat the coaches. well. <laughs> as soon as we like under thirteens or something, it was like. You know, we didn't win. It was the end of the hour. So uh, I remember there being some like good games even at that age. Um, but yeah, when it when I got to first team, it was probably I mean, listen, my dad's be there. I don't probably had lost a little bit of its its bite when I was there. Um, but then even still, it was amazing for me to, to play in these games. That game, you I remember in, in Dingwall when we won three one. I remember that being um, amazing and and. I can't remember what goal it was, but I remember scoring it and seeing all my kind of mates in the, in the front row, right there, of the away stand, and um, yeah, it was really, um, really kind of good feeling for me, and um, obviously at the time as well. And still do have plenty of mates who are still keen Inverness supporters, so it was nice to, you know, to kind of celebrate it with them um, after the game was done. It was good.
1: So, County, you've obviously they've been our main rivals, but for you know a long period of time, a good few seasons as we went through the leagues, Livingston. Charlie, were, were, our, were our main rivals, really, for titles and, you know, for promotion pushes. You know, what can you tell us about that rivalry over the, over the few seasons that it existed? Uh,
3: you're right. It's a strange one, isn't it, really? You think the distance between the two clubs, you know, 150 miles. But, um, yeah, it was, and it was really intense. It was really, I mean, I think we were the best two teams by a fair bit too. You know, especially, as I say, that season we were in the, the second division. Um, you know, we, we played them... And they threw a lot of money at it. As you know, they had good backers at the time and were paying, you know, big money for the league for part-time football.
1: They got uh, Wilson and Zouza off us, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah.
3: Yeah, they did. They poached a few players off us, you know, and and they did that off a few clubs because they had the money to to spend. So, but no, it was great. And we had some epic games with them. I mean, the the 3-2 game where Teasdale scored late on, the 4-3 game where they pipped us at the post, um, 4-0 at and we came back and battered them and couldn't quite get the final two goals we needed. So... We played lots of epic games against them. It was really good they were good guys actually, Livingston guys. I knew a lot of them. I actually did my B licence at Largs and I think they went down as a team and they had eight players on it and ended up, you know, going out for a beer with them and thought, What a good bunch of guys they are. And it was a, a friend it was a friendly rivalry and we had a lot of respect for each other. And, and the thing about them was is that they had lots of players that should have been playing at higher level, similar to what Callie Thistle had. And and um no, it was great. It was very healthy. And the good thing that our fans loved it. I mean, as I say, that day, the 4-3 game. I, I actually remember watching it on YouTube. Ryan, I don't even know if Ryan remembers. A few years back, we sat in the house and we watched it on the laptop on YouTube. I remember Ryan turned around to me and pointing behind the goals. when It was actually I scored the second goal for us. And he said, what's that behind the goals? And I said, what are you talking about? And I say, he says, what's all that? He says, what's that? I says, that's the away fans, Cali Thistle fans. And Ryan turned around to me and said, guys, he goes, where have they all gone, Dad? <laughs>
0: <He> <laughs> Good
3: did. point. And he was deadly serious and I thought, because I think, as I say guys, what a noise we made that day, it was bright sunshine, yeah. you know, we we did a few, oh, you know, our fans had a few beers on the way down and I think half time so deflated and then we came back, came back, came back and I remember after the third goal and we still had 20 minutes to go, I thought the fans started believing again the atmosphere was electric, you
2: know. On your point there Charlie, what's, and you right. what's your reason behind the lack of fans or Maybe there are lots of fans to to the stadium now because for, for us, we go everywhere home and away and we scratch our heads at it. We don't know, but let like, get your boys' take on
3: it. Steve, I mean, I'll mean, i let Ryan speak afterwards, but yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I've had a bit a stick about this over the years from, from our fans about saying I'm not great enough, which I, I find hard to take because I'm not having a go at the, the 1,500 people that watch us. I take my heart after that. I was one of these guys myself. I went to watch this when I was seven years old and, in 1973, I never missed a home game for about a decade. So I paid my 50p, you know, to get into the game. So, you know, I can relate to that. It's, what frustrates me is that, why, where's the other 1,500? You know, where's that? Because I think we should be averaging a home gate about 3,000, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, we're, when we're a full-time club. And as I say, if we can get, we, we were having 4,000 home fans playing Ross County in the third division, you know, and now we're, we're challenging for promotion the championship and getting a third of that. You know, it, it's, it's so frustrating. And I, I, I do mention this a lot. And again, I, I think we could, as a community, Inverness City could do more for the club. The yeah. local authority could do more for the club. Um, I, I, you know, with what's going on at the moment, guys, I'm going to a bit political here, but I, I do feel that Scottish government's got to do more for Scottish football, especially, and I, I can relate to that when Inverness, I think, I was out in Augsburg, our Twin City a few years back with a youth team, and I see how they work in conjunction with their local communities and their councils, and they're all in it together, and they do the most on a Saturday to make the match day a family and get everybody in the city in Augsburg involved. I think we should have been, well, we should be more like that, and, and it's, it's my biggest bugbear, Steve, about the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Are,
1: you, are you, Charlie, just sticking on that. Are you engaged with, um, with Ross Morrison and with Scott Gardner on that then?
3: I'm not, no, I'm not, they've not asked, they've not asked me if they asked me, Andrew, I would, I would help many ways as I can. I, I, I do, and I probably i might not do myself any favors but I get surprised I don't get asked about these things more often. As I say, I'm a homegrown mm. lad, and you know, and I remember one time myself and Danny McDonald, a good friend of mine, Danny went up and going back a long time, we went around the secondary schools with tickets, and we put a shirt and tie on, Cali Thistle tie on, we're around to all the century schools near there there's five or six. And we give them all tickets to go to the games. And it worked really well. And then a few years after that, we got a new, I'll not name his name, he's long gone from the club, but we got a new chief executive at the time. And he stopped it immediately. And I couldn't even get my head around it. I thought, these are potential fans of the future. We should be, you know, we should be doing all we possibly can. And, and I know it's thrown at the club a bit, we don't do enough. But we do, we do a lot of good stuff too that doesn't get the response
2: we hope for. I think you're right with the council though, Charlie. They've got to step in because Inverness is the biggest stick in hell and so every two weeks you've got even 2,000 people turning up. There's not nowhere else in the city that brings that amount of people together. So yeah, exactly. I think you're bang on.
1: Right, okay. So let's pretend we're still talking about Livingston. Right. Uh, right talking about Livingston. <laughs> Talking about Livingston, Ryan, uh, one low point for you this season was the red card. Yes, Andrew! Yeah, at the, at yes, the, the, uh, the, the Tony Macroni Arena. Um, Celtic get beaten, you get you get sent off. I know obviously it's not in your character, you've come out and you've said that already. Was it an easy decision, was it a hard decision to, to come off social media after that and, and how did you feel about the reaction that you got given your pretty fantastic form this season for Celtic?
4: Yeah, it was, it was obviously a low point of this season. Um, I mean, I'll say it again, there was certainly no kind of malice in the tackle. I think, you know, it was just me chasing my touch again and then, um, you know, lunging in. And, you know, it's obviously as soon as I saw it back, that was a terrible tackle. Um, and, you know, rightly so, a red card. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I... I, I said this afterwards, I didn't, it wasn't like I was, you know, after the game kind of scrolling Twitter and, and looking at all the comments, you know, I'm clever enough to do that. I Mostly kind of stay off social media or certainly try and keep it as private as I can in terms of, you know, stay away from all the kind of fan side of it. But, um, you know, with something like that, especially playing for a Celtic, it's, it's hard to stay away. I mean, it wasn't, like I said, me searching Twitter. It was, it was other people, you know, kind of sending it on to me or saying, look what this person said, that person said. And I just thought at that point, I thought, you know, there's. There's no uh, there's no positive of having Twitter these days, you know what I mean? Especially for, for football players. I get it for everybody else, but you know it's just another platform to people to, to you know to going of hit you when you're down. So, um, you know, I've had no kind of interest in getting it back ever since. Um, and I think it's you know it's another probably something that footballers these days have to put up to that maybe you know my dad didn't really have back in his day. I think you know when they when they had a, maybe a bad game, they, they might get one or two comments in the pub. But in terms of this, it's hard to kind of stay in the dark from it um and I take my off to people like kind of, James Forrest too has gone through his whole career you know what I mean and not not been on social media at all and I get why because um you know once you do it, it you know all it does is kind of complicate things um but yeah going back to the game obviously it was frustrating and um you know more frustrating just because it kind of put a bit of a, a halt to my season when like you said I, I felt really good and I was scoring goals and I just wanted to continue that momentum and um yeah, like I said I had to kind of stop and, and start again which was annoying
1: mm-hmm. We we'll go from that low point to a high point. You've scored in a two-one win at Parkhead against Lazio uh, of all teams, and then you've won. You've won in the Stadio Olimpico as well. Presumably, you know you've paid for the. You're getting a good wage, etc. You paid for your dad to go over to Rome to watch the game. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm loving you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, this is a given, surely.
3: Absolutely. Aye, I had to buy the ticket for the home game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a shocker Ryan come on
4: uh, nah yeah I don't know why you didn't travel which that would have been good
3: can or maybe, maybe, maybe the can... thought
4: of, of going toe-to-toe with some Lazio fans but you i <laughs>
2: <laughs> our Charlie Beatles Ultra to bother
3: <laughs> can I jump in here can I jump in here gents I was uh, just reading yesterday I was sent to the wife yesterday we're having our coffee and I was reading that the, the, the left-back, like young lad, I can't remember his name now, is it Brandon, somebody from Man United, got a new contract? Brandon Williams, yeah, the new merch. Brandon yeah. Williams, Did you
2: mm. see what he bought his father? A Mercedes.
3: Mercedes 4x4. I'll leave it at that,
1: Steve. <laughs> 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 uh, right, last, last question about uh, Celtic. Um, you played with Johnny Hayes, you played with him at Celtic, you played with him at Aberdeen. Um, when's he coming back north?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> there's no point asking that to Johnny because you won't understand the answer he gives you anyway he <laughs> yeah. just mumbles something <laughs> towards you
1: and you think right okay that was.
2: A-. talk to Johnny about trainers he's a, he's a, he's a sneakerhead he's, he's into trainers so you
5: get yeah, more sense of him right. just talk about that yeah. it? Who,
1: who, do you, who do you room with at, at Celtic do they still do that put two of you in a room when you're on away trips and stuff or?
4: <sighs> no it's that, it's that um, big time now Andrew big time yeah we get a room to ourselves when we yeah. do kind of pre-season stuff um when we go away for long trips we get we share a room i was with lewis morgan obviously he's moved on now so um i would expect i'll be in with big chris asher i'm quite pally with him um it's quite loose we get to kind of choose our own roommates so um i'm sure i'll be in with him but uh yeah i remember actually being in a room with johnny once for aberdeen one of the first times um and yeah, I couldn't understand a word that guy was saying. And then him, him, and Adam Rooney. Oh my god, oh. <laughs> it a if you, if you you do. Do.
2: Oh.
3: oh,
1: he's ringing.
2: Not me.
3: That's me. Sorry. <laughs> That's
2: <Astronauts>. Johnny's. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Let's talk about something we've never covered in the pod before, it's Scotland. Uh, Ryan, have you got about 10, 10 caps now? Is that right? Something like that? Uh,
4: yeah, I think it's 10. I
1: yeah, think. Sure. Looking, at, um, looking at when you got your caps, you received your first in November 17 against the Netherlands. You played the entire 90 minutes and you're up against guys like, you know, a part of that amazing Liverpool team now when I do Sorry, I can't pronounce his fucking name. When you old them. I him. By him. <laughs> And, uh, Van, and Van Dyke. Uh, what, what was that experience like playing against those guys?
4: Uh, Eye opening. Um, <laughs> I think that, that, that camp was amazing. I remember um, Derek McInnes told me, uh, I can't remember when it was, maybe the Saturday after the game or something, that I was going to get called up. He, he'd obviously been given an order by somebody, and then my mum and dad were in uh, Aberdeen, I should say, for the game that weekend. Uh, and I told them, which was which was you know a nice kind of moment. Um, and then obviously the the game being at Pottodry as well, which was was quite cool. But um, yeah, it was it was amazing experience for me. And um, you know the game itself was 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 really good. I mean the likes of like you said, when Yaldam and and Van Dyke were were ridiculous. I remember getting the ball in the halfway line against Van Dyke and trying to turn him, and he just put a, a forearm across my chest, and I nearly ended up in Rose head. So. Uh, and the album as well. I, actually, funny you mention him because uh, you know he was good. He was good technically and on the ball and stuff. But in terms of his athleticism, he was so powerful. And once he was away from you, you couldn't catch him. Which you know, it's, it's players like that when you think you wouldn't look at him and think he's got kind of a lot of pace or anything. But um, once you play against him, you realise kind of why they're at the kind of very top of the game. Um, but yeah, it was eye-opening. This is the kind of players you want to play against, you know, week in, week out, and kind of test yourself and try and get to that level.
5: Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I think Graeme Shinney was in that squad as well. So, two things here. First, as a coach as well as a, as a parent, is that something you're quite proud of, you know, having probably coached him at youth level? And also, is that something you would say to young players coming through at Inverness? Look at what you can achieve, you know, if you stick in. So.
3: Yeah, well, that's what I say the most. I mean, it's quite unfortunate, actually, touching on that sort of thing. I mean, that night, I told he was... You know, one of the most special nights of my life. It's—I uh, never thought I would see it when I see Ryan come through the Kali Thistle Youth System. And fair play to Dan Shearer in his paper column when he said that. He said Kali Thistle should get a lot of credit for this, and right—and we should. Um, but yeah, to, to you know, having Graham and, and Ryan in the squad that night, and um, it, it's testament. And, and the thing about Ryan is it, it's a bit awkward in being my son at times because if somebody'd achieved come through Cali Thistle Youth System and achieved so far what Ryan's, and I, and I know there's more at come. I would probably use him as a figurehead even more because he's you know he's he's a good example to all our kids, and you know that you can achieve it don't you know as I say reach for the stars and we 've got some we really have what we need to change is our philosophy a wee bit in that angle and you've heard me say this before about match day quotas and but we need to change our own club philosophy a wee bit and maybe put a bit more emphasis on it you know is that don't write boys our young players off um so early. Give them a chance. Give them an outing. Build up their self confidence. Build up their self esteem. You know, don't just drop them in for half an hour and if they don't get a goal, they're not good enough. Give them a, a, bring them in. Let them train with the first team over six months and and, and really try to develop them. Mm-hmm. And, and because there's a lot of credit to be done, and, and Ryan's an example, and Liam too. I mean, the papers two weeks ago when I saw that the top three guys in the SPL assist wise are Ryan Christie, James Forrest, and Liam Power. How What a big pat on the back for Cali Thistle that is.
2: Uh, Ryan, question. Probably a harder game for you. The, the 4-0 game against Belgium played that game. So their midfield had Tielemans, Mertens, Lukaku, De Bruyne playing. In your career so far, probably the, the most difficult and hardest match you've played in.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah I'd say so. Um, and to be fair, for the first 90 seconds of that game, I thought we were doing all right as well. And then... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was, you know, another amazing experience and um, playing against, like said, De Bruyne again. He was similar to what I said about Wijnaldum in terms of, you know, he can talk for hours about, you know, his game awareness and the assists and his passing ability and stuff, but it's just his kind of raw power and kind of pace to get away from you. For the first goal, their, their counter-attack, um, you know, the pace of him, he was you know, once he was away, it was gone. There was no kind of catching him and, um, you know, same with the other guys that were in the midfield, so... Um yeah, like I said before, it was good. It was a good learning curve. I mean, um you know, I I somehow managed to get the man of the match that night and I was so they like, <laughs> probably I could look at it and think I don't think it counts if you get leathered 4 0 and you know, <laughs> not have a shot on target. But um, yeah, like these are the kind of games, especially when you play for for Scotland, you you want to play against the West and um yeah, I never thought, you know, it's it's nice to say I've just kinda of shared the field with like of Kevin De Bruyne and stuff, but it makes you want to kinda of push more and, and try and do it again and again and again.
1: Yeah. Well, your first goal for Scotland, um, November last year, two-one win against Cyprus. What a goal that was! Um, in off the right touchline, line, shift it onto the left foot, sweep it into the top corner. Must have been some feeling to get that first, that first Scotland goal, was it?
4: Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I, I, I wasn't really think, try not to think about it too much because I was.
1: It's a brilliant you know, goal, isn't it is. It's Just, you know, a great, great strike, just. Yeah,
4: it was good. It was really good. I think we actually played really, really well that day. Um, and especially, I mean, obviously when I'd had a few kind of caps and then, um, you know, the new manager, Steve, Steve Clark's come in. And um, I think I missed, through injury, I missed his first um, camp and, you know, kind of worried me a little bit because, especially at international level, because the managers get such a short time um, with their players, I thought he's just going to kind of keep that, that first, you know, squad he had and just work for them that's the most time he's had. So, you know, I was a wee bit nervous that, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't get that chance um, for Scotland again for a while, but to be fair, as soon as I was you know, involved in one of his kind, I absolutely loved it, the way he kind of wants us to play and you see why he's been so successful in his managerial career. I mean, his ideas, is understanding, the game's brilliant. I think we're just kind of starting to see that now. I mean, you know, him is, he himself speaks about how short a time he gets, um, you know, with the players. I mean, we, we meet up normally on a, on a Monday um, after a kind of weekend of games with a game being on the Friday. But, you know, normally in football these days, I mean, we get a two days recovery. So the Monday, we're just kind of in the pool. We're not really out there. Then a Tuesday, maybe half the squad's still feeling a bit tight. So by the time it gets to Wednesday, you're, you're two days before a game and then you can't really do anything on the training part. You can't have too long a session again. So, you know, it's so limited the time he gets he gets with us to try and implement his ideas um, but slowly and surely, I think we're getting in, even the boys I'm playing with, the likes of, kind of John McGinn and people like this, who are you know doing so well in the Premiership, it's it's amazing to be kind of part of that squad. And all, all the boys that I've kind of played with through the youth, not played with, played against, I should say, um, you know, kind of John McGinn at St Mirren and um, loads of different people across the game. So it's it's quite cool to then you know be, be sharing the
3: pitch with them at international level.
1: Charlie, I don't think you were even watching that game. You were doing something else at a time, were you?
3: <laughs> I was. I was getting even more grey hair. You're right. <laughs> I, was, I had a big day arranged, two guys. I, I wasn't actually going to Cali Thistle game. I shouldn't probably say that. But I was actually going for a meal. And we were going to take the game. And I knew Ryan was starting the game. I'd, and uh, so I was quite looking forward to it. And then, of course, the CEO phoned me. I think it was half past seven in the Friday evening. Uh, John and Kel were both very ill. And asked me, and I said, yeah. Um, I was uh, the only thing that annoyed me is that I would love to be out in the training ground that day with the squad just to try and instigate one or two things. But I said, "Of course, I'll help Barry," and I so I did. And I'm glad we we you know we played well first half, didn't play well second half. You know, one in penalties, Bigridgers was as usual terrific. Um, and then I but came in at half time It was Jack the Kitman. He says, "Oh, Ryan scored a worldie for Scotland," and he showed me showed me on his phone. So. Uh, it, was, it was a good day Cali Thistle winning and trying it get his first goal for the national team and it, it was interesting listening to Ryan there actually because I do say to him when he likes to go back to the Belgium game and that when you're playing these games Ryan that it's important that you do learn you know and I've said that he'll tell you that all his career since he was like 10 years old is that look at these boys and how does De Bruyne carry himself little pox into space how does he play when he gets away from a man he drives into space so it's it's, I always think it's a great learning curve from playing in these matches.
1: There's one uh, thing I was going to ask actually, just while you were talking there, Charlie. You've obviously been in the dugout again after a long time. Did you, did you get anything in the back of your head thinking, you know, if if Clack if Cla- give me a shout? <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, 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 believe it or not, I've had a few offers actually. Some idiot, some idiot chairman out there, but oh, I've so had I've had about half a dozen offers over the past five or six years, to be honest, and great and to get involved and I've given one or two of them thought that I do enjoy my work at the club and you know and it ties in well now because I can go and watch Ryan as well which is an important part of the family life so um but no it does it does give you a wee bit of a taste and you know I, I've been frustrated at times guys as you guys will have been when I'm watching the club and thinking we're not going to things the right way here you know and it, it, it is its and at times I wish I'd had more say. I, I make quite flippant remark and I'll say it again is that if I win the lottery this weekend I'll buy the club and and I will. If I and you can hold me to it, I'll buy you off for a beer. But, but you know, I, I would like to I would like to buy the club and and try and be involved in more different in, in different ways and, and just to get us kicking forward again. Because we're not a million miles off and it's only five years ago that we were playing in Europe and I'm convinced we can well we can get there again, but um, we need help and we need to change a few things. And the difficulty I find with our club, a wee bit, I'm, I'm going off in a tangent a wee bit here, is that I think finances, as usual, have restricted us so much, and that we find it hard to step the club forward because there's never been money there to do that. You know, we training facilities, we want to make them better. I would love to develop that area around about the stadium, and I know that the current board are looking at that and the chairman. I mean, for the city and for our fans, that would be fabulous. And for the club, and that would let us step on. So, you know, I I think there's a lot more positive things ahead if we can get over this nightmare we're in at the moment. And then in a year's time, we can get over it and it's all behind us. Then I'm sure we can kick forward on, kick on again.
2: I know the chairman listens to the pod anyway, Charlie. So, Ross, get your fingers working and start making more money for us.
1: Otherwise, Charlie, let's hope you win the lottery. But I've heard that your wife's wanting to buy a dentistry practice. So... (laughs) (laughs) right quick fire. okay so just answer first thing comes into your head right then i ask you alter, alternate questions first thing comes into your head right start off with you ryan uh, edward or eddie oferry
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've got to say edward he's one of the best players I've, i think i've played with um mm. but i will not forget oferry's goal against Celtic in the same time Mm.
1: Uh, Charlie, Grasa or Noble?
3: No, Noble any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> A lot safer uh, than you are with brain box.
1: <laughs> uh, Ryan, who's dirtier, Vigors or Draper?
4: Draper. <laughs> yeah, Draper. Draper.
1: Um, Charlie, who is the best player you've ever played with?
3: I'm going to say two. I know it's Locally, and am Thistle hat on. Dennis Wynes, Barnan. Uh, in my life, Paul. In my life, McStay. They're my two big sure. brilliant players. What
1: well, about you, Ryan? Best player you played with must be somebody at Celtic. Just now, is it? Uh,
4: yeah, obviously I've played with Andy Robertson at Scotland, who's you know he's he's unbelievable. But um, Tom Roderick, for me, sometimes he does things in training that are just ridiculous. Um, you're such a big guy and he's got massive fee as well. His, his technique is ridiculous sometimes. So I'll say him. Hardest player I've played against, uh, De Bruyne and all that were good. I remember playing against Rabio at... um PSG. I don't know if he's still at PSG now or if he's moved uh, on. Juventus. Juventus, is he? No, that's, <laughs> not bad. that's not bad uh, I played against him... Um, at Pittaudry once for the Scotland under 21s and chased it shattered it around for 90 minutes, so that was good.
1: Charlie, who's the, who does, who's the hardest opponent you ever come up against? You've already said it's not Alex Bone. Who's, who's the hardest <laughs> midfielder that. you come up against? So,
3: uh. Well, the game at Tanner Dice, obviously, I, I would say Paul Gascoigne. In the game at Tanner Dice, Gascoigne and Loudrip in the Rangers team that day, and uh, Gascoigne was a different class and a gentleman. He was a top notch guy before and after the game, so. He's the best player I've ever played against, to be honest, you know.
1: Um Ryan, who's the who's the player you'd most like to come up against? Someone you haven't played against yet, but you know, go, I'd like to go toe-to-toe with him.
4: there's directly against me in a match, We're playing like a number six, probably like, you know, Sergio Busquets or somebody like that, because I actually remember Tom Roderick, actually talking about when Ben Celtic played Barcelona and he he talked about him and he said like he just he couldn't get near him either, but any time he pressed him and thought, well, I've got a chance to make the ball here. The way he took the ball was just, he would, you know, pit away at you one way or then the other. And, you know, somebody, well, that Barcelona team we are talking about earlier probably doesn't get,
3: you know, enough talked about enough for how good a player he is.
1: Charlie, most underrated Cali Thistle teammate?
3: Roy McBain. Roy McBain, I'll do that, a doubt. You know, I look at these teams and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to I make some of them Cali Thistle's greatest ever team, but, you know, a bit, And Roy doesn't make a lot of them. He makes some. But you ask anyone that shared that Mm. picture, Roy McBain, a Cali Thistle shirt. One of the most underrated players. Fantastic player and a fantastic guy. So Roy McBain straight away.
1: Um, Ryan, a Cali Thistle player, past or present, that you think could get into the current Celtic squad?
3: Good question.
4: I would probably say Graham Shinnie. I think when he played mm. left back for Inverness, he was he was at that time when we we're when he was playing for Inverness, he could have got left back for the Celtic team. I think he was immense. And then it was obviously it's a bit different when he moved Aberdeen. He played centre mid. Um, him and I'd probably say Marley as well that season. Marley. I mean, we said about how good he was against Celtic that year, but. Um, you know, any team would have been lucky to have him that season for how kind of powerful he was and what he added to your team.
1: Um, Charlie, the best player to ever come out of the Highland League,
3: Kevin McDonald comes to mind. And went mm-hmm. back now. I didn't see a lot of Kevin. He was sort of just, you know, he played for Cali. So I didn't watch Cali much at a young age. And he went on to a great thing, Kevin. I mean, it's great to see Ryan's actually surpassed what he's done as a player now from a boy from the area. Um, but you, you'd obviously see Kevin because he ended up playing in FA finals, playing for Liverpool. Um, I'll go back under my favourite player and a boy, it's just, it's a gain, it's the opportunities now available for, for the youngsters in areas. My favourite player when I grew up was Alistair Black, Titchy Black. And Titchie, if he had a full-time professional team in his doorstep like all the young boys have got now, he would have been a huge roaring success. I think he would have, I actually think he would have played for Cali Thistle for a few years and then somebody would have signed him. He was so good.
1: Right. Ryan, your dad, your old man, would you have preferred him as a teammate or would you prefer him as a manager?
4: <laughs> oh, oh my god it's that's an impossible question that
1: well, uh,
4: teammate teammate maybe i've had him as my manager and uh well you know ish in the in the youth and that was tough at times but teammate i can just imagine as soon as you give the ball away you'd just be yapping at your neck straight away nothing worth <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
1: right uh, last question um Charlie, if Ryan, Celtic fans won't like this one, but if Ryan was ever to move away from Celtic, where would you love to see him go?
3: Uh, It's a good question, Andrew, and I know he's very ambitious, and if he continues the way he's going, then I think, well, there'll be teams in the radar, he'll be on the team's radar. Where I'd like to see him go, I'll be honest, I'd like to see him play abroad, because, and purely in football terms, forget nothing to do with finances whatsoever is the way they play the game. The technical aspect of the game and their game awareness and their game intuition, I think would suit Ryan's game down to the ground. And you're playing in the sand and playing on good surfaces. And so I would love to see him if he ever got the chance to play
1: abroad. Right, thanks very much, gents. That's us for now. Charlie, Ryan, thanks both of you for coming on. I'm sure everybody, we thoroughly enjoyed that. And I think that just listening to you, Charlie, you can, you can hear... You know, how much empathy you've still got for the club and how positive you are. And Ryan, again, I think a lot of thing, a lot of Cali Thistle fans have noticed recently, uh, when you've been doing your interviews and you've referred to Cali Thistle, you've said we, and uh, that's been picked up on. Noted. So don't, don't think we don't, we've not noticed that. Um, so before we say goodbye, Ryan, have you got any message you want to send to any of the Cali Thistle fans listening?
4: Uh, just stay stay safe, hope everyone's staying safe during this time. And. Uh... You know, hopefully soon enough we'll get to visit football grounds again. Everyone together, and, and, and when they do, hopefully everyone's out in their droves. Um, I think obviously when all this is over, I'm hoping there's a new love for football. I, th- I think. Um, sometimes you need to, you know, realise how much you like something when it's when it's gone, and hopefully it comes back. And like I said, everyone will be will be
3: back
1: in their numbers. <laughs> uh, Charlie, what about yourself?
3: Yeah, I would reiterate what Ryan says there about you know we want everyone to stay safe, safe and healthy. I'm I'm really we're all hoping we've seen the worst of it. We don't know. Um, I would say to everyone don't do a dominant coming, um, whatever you do. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, and, and it, you know I, I, I do think once we get back, let's hope guys. Turn, I hope I see the three years in the sports bar at Caledonia Stadium, you know, in 2021, and we can all, as Ryan says, really savor what we've got, you know, and. and yeah. Don't take things for granted, to be honest. And I think that's a lesson we'll hopefully learn from this and, and really enjoy our football and all get together and, and we can all step forward as one.
1: Right, well, we're all off to watch highlights of the last game at Brockville. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from everyone else. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Bye. See you, guys.
1: Bye for now. Take care of yourself. Cheers,
2: Cheers guys. Cheers, boys. And Cheers, thank you.
1: Music and done. There we go.
2: Oh, yes. so, Is that marathon there, that
1: was a one. Sorry, guys. I was trying to, like... Cut bits out so it wasn't so long. Oh,
3: right. Seems to me, bloody guardian gentlemen Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep, yep.